Coming to you from deep in the flyover states, we review WWF Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. And welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 204. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back to 1991 for the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> oh, we always have to throw the accent on there. You got a trip across the pond and serve up some delicious tree. What is it? How, what would he even say? Tea trumpets? That we have to serve up tea trumpets, I believe right. it is. I just like trying to do an impersonation of Lord Alfred Hayes any chance I get. And so, <laughs> but I got the yes. This was a request of listener Nick Opaluski. Yes, and uh, yeah, we are bringing it to you this week. The battle—it's the longest name, and there's—it's so yeah. difficult to say because <laughs> the bat, like, ro- like royal twice, guys. Like, why didn't you just come up with anything else than like well, battle royal? Like, why did you use- call it? anything didn't they use the e version of royal for the battle royal part so that way it's at oh, least yeah. battle royale at royal albert hall i mean maybe i can't remember but just the word <laughs> itself makes the title seem very redundant um it does yes so but we're happy to do this for all of you this week and uh this is the wrestling review show each week dp and i get together discuss an event we agreed to watch the week before the oprah's book club for wrestling nerds for any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, fuck, I don't know, goldenagepodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself further, maybe it's something a little longer or more involved, send us an email at goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you got a request like tonight's show, send it our way, and we'll probably make sure to get it into the playlist at some point, either very soon or a little bit down the road, depending on, on the selection. But... Yes, we definitely the do take requests. Yeah, the timeliness is sometimes is often something we take into consideration. Just yeah, for your and we're you know like we said we like to watch wrestling every once in a while. I I know Tony will find himself just flipping around in the network. I've done the same myself. Sometimes we just find shit that we want to watch, and so that huh. becomes the playlist for a while. But we do appreciate any and all requests. So Tony, before we can get back into the world of 1991, when the WWE filmed house shows and made the UK pay for it. Like it's a pay-per-view. It's time to talk a little bit about the current world. So let's stick here in the current world just a little bit longer with a segment that we like to call the Sid Vicious Dishes. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we are live. What do we got this week? It's live, pal. And DP, this week, you know, it's the end of the year. And uh, something that 
I don't know that we've touched on as much as we, you know, lately as we did maybe at other times, but I wanted to kind of discuss the state of women's wrestling in 2019 as we move into 2020. A okay. Bit. All right. What do and, we got? Well, and this is mostly inspired, and I want to give full credit here. Um, Up Rocks with Spandex had a really good article written by L. Collins, where she got to discuss that in previous years, she had done top 10 matches of the year for mm-hmm. the women's 2017, 2018. And this year, she just. She couldn't. She had a hard time, you know, coming up with 10 matches that she felt like were, you know, great. Even, you know, going back to the WrestleMania triple threat match, you know, they botched the ending with Ronda getting her shoulder up and the match itself wasn't necessarily, you know, the crowd was dead by then. The show had been too long. It was too long already. Um, And this is WWE exclusively. I know people are like, oh, this is the gray. And there was this, you know, this is basically the state of like, you know, the WWE NXT, that kind of a thing. And she just had a lot of really, you know, it's a really interesting read. She just made a lot of good points about kind of the handling of, you know, many of these characters, even the Becky Lynch character herself, basically establishing her place after WrestleMania and then going into a feud with Lacey Evans. Yeah. That who wasn't ready. You know, they were kind of looking, I believe, there to bring someone up fast. And for whatever reason, it kind of just didn't work out. I mean, they tried for definitely months and months and months, as we all know, eventually even giving us a mixed tag match that involving Becky Lynch's boyfriend, <laughs> Seth Rollins, which she also kind of just noted being a big kind of just not a good, it was just, that was not good. That just didn't no. do anything for, you know, Becky's character at that point or her momentum or anything like that. It was just kind of like this weird, like, you know, are you guys going to do this on TV is what's going on with this? Um, yeah. You know, I mentioned the introduction, you know, the women's tag team titles, you know, being introduced, the Iconics getting the win at WrestleMania, but then literally, for whatever reason, I don't know what the hell, like, they just weren't on TV. Like, that felt yeah. like they were just gone for that amount. Of, they were, Like, those belts just didn't exist. Um, he goes, that wasn't, that wasn't great. They've, you know, had a good uptick in the last few months with the Kabuki Warriors, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's come at the expense of Becky and Charlotte being thrown into a two singles wrestlers as a tag team gimmick for the last... <laughs> It doesn't do them any good. So, uh, but yeah, she, she made a lot of those points, but you know, just, uh, I know, I know some people point at NXT and Aria Ripley and I absolutely, you know, well, would say that that's maybe the best thing that happened on the WWE brand of things, you know, women's wrestling. Plays. Yeah. Rhea Ripley. That's the exception because that's also, when you look at NXT, a lot of people have been complaining. I mean, I like the Shayna championship reign for the most part, but a lot of people talk about how, you know, same match, it's boring, or they don't like it. They yep. just they're not a fan, and it, it. She turned off a lot of people with that fucking run. Even though you know yep. most people, I think, are more positive about it. But there, it does seem like there's definitely a vocal minority that really didn't like it. So there's there's people that are even not happy with the NXT, to, you know, women's division. It's why a streak so hard because you could say the same thing about Oscar. Maybe yeah. not on the NXT side of things, but on the main roster, people were kind of like, "Who's this undefeated lady?" You yeah. know, like it didn't quite had the same pull and so Shayna, yeah at the same time it's like almost kind of wore the fans out a little bit at some point because uh, there have been like you we were you know we talked about every woman on the nxt side of things right now has almost had a title match at this point yeah you know and every and she's beaten all of them and it just kind of makes it hard to like establish a new star or to like kind of push somebody mm-hmm. you know like you know Rhea was just happened to be you know on the other side of the world for you know the better part of the last year or so yeah and so you had she hadn't gone through that wall yet and you know that <laughs> obviously went well but um you know that's one thing that i would say that i you know that this wasn't necessarily in the article but just something that i was thinking about 
if you think about the women's wrestling, there were a few years there where you were really establishing and building stars. And in my opinion, in 2019, that went completely stagnant. I think, I think Becky suffocated the division to some degree, you know, where it was just, because if you think about it, who are the top four women that, you know, today, Bailey, Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte, you know, who have have been the top four women for the last three years, maybe four years at this point, Bailey, (laughs) Becky, Sasha, and Charlotte. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, on the main roster side of things, NXT, like I said, there's been some, you know, some standouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the money shows, you know, they haven't built a star. You think of Ember Moon, you know, and she did mention this in the article, her bad match at SummerSlam, and then she got hurt. Mm-hmm. And now you worry about her momentum building back up. You know, Nia Jax has been out for the better part of this year. Yeah. So maybe some folks that would have broken out and had a big year have been on the shelf, and they've kind of been forced to – just kind of stay steady the path, you know? But, yeah. Like, I mean, you, you, but, yeah, go ahead. You, like you think about Alexa bliss, like every time she comes back, right. she's then gone very quickly. Like she seems like she's really having, having a struggle there. And then, you know, they found a, a way to keep her involved, but she doesn't feel like, you know, a challenger anymore because of it. No, it's, ah, uh, yeah, she's very on and off. I know she's had injury problems and things like that, but that's an issue. You know, that's something that is certainly a concern. You look at stop and starts with like a Carmella who is, you know, doesn't seem like she's a major player at this point. They've they, no. you know, they've already kind of come and gone on that. It seems like, uh, yeah, I don't know. They just it's they, they, have they haven't really away made anybody team. else out to feel like a big deal, you know? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's it is interesting because you know we just got so used to them, you know, killing it all all the way through that it was like when you're going through it, it seems all right for the most part. But then when you look back, it's just like, well, where did that go or what? Why did they spend so well, much it, time on this that never really and, felt like much? Yeah, and again, I'm pulling most. Of, you know, these thoughts of mine are inspired by the article from yeah. Mel Collins. But that was another. You know, uh, no evolution and no May Young Classic this year. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you've also done less this year than you've done in previous years to promote your women's wrestling. Yeah. You know, and then you, and just these are little things that are probably nothing. To, but you just look at things lately in like the last month or so. They've had 24 seven title shenanigans running through. You know, Charlotte Flair matches on Raw and stuff. Okay, yeah. You had the TLC thing where as soon as the match ended, you had the Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin brawl, like, spill out of the locker room, Mm -hmm. and you immediately shifted to the attention of the show. Just, there's a lot of little things that I don't necessarily buy into to say that, like, they're trying to sabotage the women's division, but it certainly seems like the focus is not on it. And I'm hoping that they realize this and, you know, in the 2020, it's time to bring a few women along and you know push them to the moon. You know, at just, the expense yeah. of, at the expense of the horsewomen. You know, like it's they're established top you know top stars at this point. You know, and it's time to start building depth and you know building yeah. up you know, maybe women that be big deals moving forward at some point. So I, you know, because just think about like a Ruby Riot, and I know the injuries contributed to a lot of this, mm-hmm. but they've just they've had people as well that they just didn't really go all the way with. You know, if you don't like Lacey Evans, when she loses four matches in a row to Becky Lynch, how is that helping her? <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, you're a star now. No, she's not. She's this silly gimmick Southern Belle who also lost every time she fought Becky Lynch when it mattered. You know. Yep. Yeah, and now it seems like they're just like derailing the whole thing and just like, all right, well, she's just going to be a face person now and uh, we'll forget about the heel side of this. 
Because part of me wants to make sure and mention from a positive side how things are still certainly improving. Oh, new sure. match type, war games, main events, things of that nature. Yeah. So, but but you don't want to get comfortable either, you know. And I fear that they've settled in a little bit, and it's just kind of there now, you know. Instead of them really trying to push it to the moon and make as big a deal as possible about it, you know, they've almost got a point now where it feels it feels patronizing at times. If I'm being honest. Oh well, they were the main event. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I kind of feel like at this point they've found, like, their scapegoats that they can be like, when anyone complains about maybe the, how the women are being handled on their shows. They're like, oh, well, look, they had their first War Games match. Oh, look, they main evented this pay-per-view. It's like, yeah. yeah. You know, what are you really doing to push and promote this division and to make new stars, most importantly? It's not helping that they're also doing all this main eventing at a time when the company's putting out the longest shows they've put out in... <laughs> Right, yeah, no shit. So yeah, it's like oh, oh. we get so, yeah, super tired crowds. Yeah. yeah, like that WrestleMania man. Like I couldn't, I could not stay awake during that match. Like I, I just couldn't pull it off. I had to watch it like a week later. I was absolutely dead. The whole house of people I was with, yeah, everybody was just Homer Simpson, like head back, <laughs> like thumbs out. And it wasn't because the match sucked. You know, that's the thing that's unfortunate about it. It's just that, yeah, who the hell can watch a six-hour show? You know, mm-hmm. well, and then I've just heard a lot of, you know, negativity about the TLC match in general, like people saying that they didn't even like it even over, oh. you know, without the Kyrie Sane issues that were going on. No, it was. Whew. Yeah, well, we won't get into that. But so, yeah, so that's just the state of things. Again, it's, uh, you know, it's easy to be like, well, things are so much better than blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's important that we don't just uh, get comfortable with them being a part of the show and that they continue to kind of try to make things better definitely yeah for sure it'll be interesting to see who's who are the the women that can step up and try to become a bigger part of the the women's division in that like, side of things. well that's well, that's the thing like i said i think they've got nia Jax, ruby riot ember moon they've got women that are already a part of things you know what i mean that they just yeah they've kind of stifled, they've stifled them and but will nia just know. put whoever they stick against her on the shelf for a month and a half or Real nice. Real nice. <laughs> All right, so that's the current world, but Tony, it's time to pull out the old time machine from the mothballs. The Christmas rental was nice, but ours is like the old Civic that you're still driving around with like 300,000 miles. It's just reliable. So let's rev up the engine and head back to October of 1991 with the four things. Four Four Things Time Capsule. October of 1991, number one, September 5th, Nelson Mandela was chosen as president of the African National Congress. So that was going on. Also in foreign governments on September 6th, the next day, the USSR recognized the independence of three Baltic republics, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania. And that same... That same day, they changed the name of St. Petersburg back to St. Petersburg as it had been renamed Leningrad in 1924. Just like, uh, coming to t- coming in 2020, Washington, D.C.'s name will be changed to Trumpland. Won't that be a lot of fun? <laughs> Goodness, that's terrifying. Number two, on September 9th, only 1,695 fans watched the Boston Red Sox play Cleveland Indians at Cleveland, Ohio, a year where the Indians were the absolute shits, losing a franchise record 105 games 
but the team did have the young talent that would then prove to be part of their World Series run, like Charles uh, Nagy, Jim Tomey, Albert Bell, Sandy Alomar Jr. was their all-star of that year. Um, right. But yeah, losing 105 games would be a miserable season, and in a giant stadium, they would have uh, a 1,000 <laughs> people there to watch. 1,600. Uh, sorry. Well, and, well, nobody cared about the Red Sox at that point either. They were still you know, the Red Sox. And <laughs> thing is in baseball unless you're the yankees of the 90s and other play, you have to hit rock bottom in baseball before you can yeah. start to build back up you know for just for the teams that don't have you know all the money in the world to spend seems to be the case yes uh number three here's a look at the films releasing in american cinemas in the lead up to tonight's event starting off on august 30th with child's play three making 19 million dollars yeah, Child's Play 3. That one's that's a fun one and that was really the first one when they almost started kind of leaning into the comedy side of things a little bit more. Okay. You know, obviously obviously Bride of Chucky is basically like a horror comedy. But the character what hadn't really taken that Freddy Krueger leap yet where he was like making up the one-liners and stuff. But uh you get a little bit more of that in the third one. That's the military school one. Oh, where he's, okay. He follows Andy all the way to his military school. He looks him up in some database, you know, because whatever he's a, yeah. A, that's the one too where like it's uh, in one of those like academies where it's like there's going to be a war games at the end of the six weeks, you know, because <laughs> that's always how those movies are. And Chucky, of course, replaces their like uh, fake rounds with real bullets, so these of kids course. are like out here killing each other. <laughs> goodness uh so yeah so that movie came out on august 30th then on september 13th uh, a movie that i have come to really enjoy for its just ridiculousness but i know a lot of people really fucking hate it it's freddy's dead the final nightmare oh man again you couldn't pick two better movies to talk about uh <laughs> no that's you know what the problem is if that movie came out like this year people would be like oh my god can you believe like how amazing that was? They went all Maybe. meta with it. And, uh, it was crazy. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it would be better received now. Like nothing like that had really ever been done. You know, true. I do think it would be more positively received. I don't know if people would say it was amazing, but it would definitely well, be amazing. way more positive than it was back then. It's silly of me to think that anything could be called amazing <laughs> in 2019. Yeah, that's that you're right. That's not happening. Not unanimously. September 20th, the Fisher King would release. Oof, underrated stuff there, man. Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams. That's a good okay. movie. I've not yeah. seen that. The movie that I want to see, though, is the film that took it on that weekend. And it's a movie I've never heard of. And I watched the trailer for it, and it is insanity. Uh, it's called Live in Large. Do you remember this film, Tony? I don't, I don't have any recollection. So Live in Large, it's about a guy who works at a fast food restaurant that somehow, like... A, a news anchor is shot by a sniper and he picks up the, the anchor's microphone and the cameraman keeps filming and then he reports and then becomes the big shot of the news agency. So take a listen to, to some of this uh, this trailer here. And anytime that like music randomly interrupts, it's like because they keep flashing the logo and playing this random music in between the clips. They don't edit everything together. It's just, here's a clip of the movie, here's this logo. Here's a clip of the movie, here's this logo. It, I don't know how anyone didn't get fired for this, but take a listen. Dexter Jackson always had a dream of living large. He used to deliver laundry. I'm not going to put you on the news. Then he got a shot. I'm Charles Hempstead, coming to you live at delivering the news. The sniper shot and killed Charles Hempstead. We'll all miss him. 
the sniper didn't, but we will. Cut that clown off. Don't now. you dare. You may have won yourself an opportunity today, Dexter. Is that anything like a job? Dexter Jackson is living large. <laughs> now get out there and find me some stories. But there's always a price to pay for selling yourself out. Do you have a statement you'd like to make, Felix? You tell mother and you set me up! It's just for the waiting. I'm on killer bitches. God. Oh, yeah. That's what's quickly. I just love when she's like, you just may have earned yourself an opportunity. He's like, is that anything like a job? Yeah. <laughs> I seriously do want to see this because there's some like scenes in this trailer that's like I just the the sets or the places that they the locations they shot are absolutely wild it's very late eighties. Um but so the well, best I'm, part about this trailer so go ahead, what did you have to say? Okay, first of all, as a member of the media, I am greatly offended by the portrayal that the cameraman would just keep rolling as like his <laughs> partner was shot dead and that'd be, they'd be like, Yeah, this guy, he's great. Like, I mean, you know, I I don't know. It would be viral today. I'm not sure everyone would be like as excited about it. <laughs> so the weirdest part about this trailer is that the ending, it like it it turns into almost like I feel like this was produced for like studios or for like rental companies. I don't know. Just take a listen. Living Large, the film that opened on over 800 screens nationwide, supported by over $7 million in theatrical advertising, and pulling in more at the box office than films such as The Hitman and Dutch, is now coming to home video. Featuring a soundtrack by gold record recording artists Herbie Hancock and Terminator X, Living Large. There you go. Uh, John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> I just, what is all that information is Dude, so unnecessary. When it, when it talks about them making more money than other films, it's like bar graphs on the screen. They put bar graphs wow. up there with like their movie and then the revenues of the fucking bodyguard and hit in Dutch. And here's the thing. Like there was a time and now enough of the things have come out that maybe it's worked. But Dutch was always one of those movies that was on the like biggest bombs of all time list. Like just <laughs> biggest like Hollywood bomb. Like that's not that impressive. That's the movie I think where like Al Bundy has to drive his like stepkid across the country or something. Okay. And it was one of those movies that came out like in the eighties and nineties, they made these things where it was like, was this for kids or adults? Like you guys need yeah. to make a decision here because you're just kind of in the middle, you know? Oh, goodness. So, yeah, that movie came out on September 20th. And the last week before this show, September 27th, the film Deceived with Goldie Hawn meeting her psycho boyfriend uh, mm. came out and made $28 million. Also coming out, Necessary Roughness, which mm. is the uh, 40-year-old guy finally goes to college and plays football. And it feels like someone saw Major League three years before and wanted to make the football version. <laughs> First of all, I'm pretty sure... One of the greatest actors of all time, star of Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula, is in yes. that movie. If I'm not, if I'm he's, not mistaken, he's the 40 year old rookie. Uh, yeah. Sinbad plays a college student that's normal aged, and he's like 35 think, at this point. <laughs> I think that was also like at that time. I think that was one of Sinbad's like big like, hey, did you see that Sinbad guy in that Probably. necessary roughness movie? You know, yeah. So maybe he got first kid off off of this one. Uh, but yeah, sure. So, yeah, that movie uh, doesn't look all that great, but it looks like it was at least somewhat <laughs> fun. Uh, so now we go right. to number four, looking at the world of music. In America, Marky Mark was at the top with good vibrations, but I'm pretty sure we've played that before. So instead, 
Let's look over to the UK, what was banging over there, and it's another song I feel like we might have played, but screw it, let's just go ahead with it. It's number one on the chart for 15 weeks at the time. It's from the film Robin Hood and the Prince of Thieves soundtrack. Tony, do you know what song this is? Yeah, you've totally played it before, but I love it so much, so you can. I definitely want to hear it. Oh yeah, some Brian Adams. Everything I do, I do for you. Mm, that one, that <laughs> brings that'll bring you to tears. That his his voice is so damn beautiful in that song. <laughs> he doesn't. His voice does not match because I saw the video this time and I was like, I did not expect this man to look like this at all. Like he just looks like that one like super Christian Backstreet Boy guy. Right. <laughs> I, I just also always think of South Park. You want to need this like the government? We have. We, we at the Canadian government have apologized on numerous occasions for Brian Adams and his music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. So that brings us... Go ahead. Because I know you've played that before, but I think maybe more recently you played... The, or maybe I'm just making this up. The Three Musketeers soundtrack song. Yeah. When you, when you get, like, Sting, Brian Adams, and, like, Rod Stewart or something in there, and it's... A very powerful song. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that brings us here to October 3rd of 1991, when 5,000 people packed into the Royal Albert Hall in London, England, for a night of house show wrestling that I'm sure was a lot of fun for the kids that were there. But, man, yeah. if, the, like, if this wasn't the last show on the tour, because like with the Nasty Boys promo, it's pretty clear this is the last show of the tour. Why is this right. not the first show in your promotional material to sell your tickets for the, the tour? Uh, it has to be a date issue, you know. Like this Probably. was when that could be on Sky Movies and whatever else it was being promoted on. Yeah, uh, Probably. Yeah, that 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 must be it. That is just maybe a matter of the timing <laughs> and stuff like that. Because yeah, it would make the most sense to have, you know, maybe do this a little earlier on or something. I just I feel like if I was a kid renting things, like if I rented this at the store, I'd be so disappointed. Well, but you have to remember that it's taking into account like the how important these shows were to the kids, you know, especially in the country that this was what they got, you know, like this was yeah. you know, their their show, and also like just to be completely honest, to not rip this show much worse than anything else in 1991, it's not like any of the <laughs> WF's offerings, yeah. pay per view wise or anything around this time was, you know, gonna knock your socks off. So very true. Uh, I will this say, was though, about as good as anything else. This is probably one of the coolest venues that I've seen oh, yeah. on a wrestling show. Uh, the Royal Albert Hall seats a capacity of 5,272. It was built in 1871. It was then renovated in 1996. Well, between 1996 and 2004, they would do everything kind of behind the scenes and kept things running while it was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, so this is kind of we're hitting, you know, five years before they start renovation. So this is the end of 100 years of this building yeah. being the same way it is. And this is a building that's seen it all and had it all. You know, Pink Floyd was banned from this building at yes. one point. Um, Did you hear why they were banned? Oh, what was it? Go so ahead. The, at least it was mentioned on their the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia for Royal Albert Hall is really interesting. Like, if you're into, yeah. like, 
arenas and stuff. Go check this one out. But it says uh, one notable event was Pink Floyd's concert held June 26th of 1969, the night they were banned from ever playing at the hall again after shooting cannons, nailing things <laughs> to the stage, and having yeah. a man in a gorilla suit roam the audience. Yeah, that uh, sounds about right. Uh, Gilmore would return in 2006 playing a concert there, which was like a big deal because he had right. been banned. So. But yeah, so really historic building. Brain mentions it early on as something, you know, very much a Madison Square Garden like arena you know, yeah. as far as like level of historical importance. And just looking the, different than other things that you're seeing around arenas, yes. you know. Uh, oh, it's so, yeah, it's so cool. I don't know. I wonder if it's, it's probably difficult to get into the building, I'd imagine, maybe. But yeah. cause it's like, wow, why doesn't WWE just run here every now and then? I think they have <laughs> for some of the. For some of the UK stuff, I okay. feel like they may have. I think some of the early, one of the early shows or something was in this building. So, well, here's one little interesting fact that I found on Wikipedia that I thought I wanted to share here. It was initially lit by gas, and the hall mm. contained a special system where it's thousands of gas jets that were all the way around could be all be lit within ten seconds of each other. So it was like an no. auto system that would light from one to another. I guess um, it was yeah. demonstrated, or is, although electricity was demonstrated as early as 1873 in the hall. Full electric lighting was not installed until 1888. During an early trial, when a partial installation was made, one disgruntled patron wrote to the Times, declaring it to be a very ghastly and unpleasant innovation. So he wanted the <laughs> gas lights back. <laughs> it's like, and then people wonder why, like, entire towns burned down when there were fires, <laughs> you know, back in the day. I didn't think it's about like, that, uh, yeah. You were lighting your building with gas. That was probably wasn't the best idea. Um, so yeah, it's got a great look. Looks great on TV. Um, you know, the place is packed. Everyone's excited. That's mm. always that always that always goes a long way in making things you know maybe seem better than they are. Even absolutely. Uh, and this network version starts with the uh, dreaded presented in the most complete form possible <laughs> due to the original production technical difficulties. And I just yeah. want to know what those technical difficulties are and why they cut out all of the Sky Movie promos that were in between all this stuff. It's like, get, let me see all that shit. I want to, I want to know what the fuck was going on. That's probably the stuff that, that they just they cut that out, and that's why they said they presented it in the most complete form as possible. Probably, it's bullshit. Yeah, but hey, what isn't bullshit is we get the dynamic duo of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. Bobby at the top of his game on this show, certainly one of the highlights of this whole thing. Yes. Um, he's uh, demands to be referred to as Lord Brain, I believe was one of the, I think there were other titles that he was also spitting out there. He, he demands his dignity, but yeah, here's, yeah. Uh, here's Bobby Heenan. No, 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 dear chap. It's Sir Robert of Heenan, Lord Brain to you. Excuse me. And I demand some dignity. Only You'll a, be sitting on your dignity here in a few minutes. Only a few stone throws away from the royal box where the queen herself sits. And you keep it up, and that's where you'll be, right over there in the queen's box in just a moment. We've got all kinds of action. <laughs> yeah. First yeah. of all, I love the, like, you're going to be sitting on your dignity line. That's such, like, a great old man, like, kind of thing that yeah. no one says anymore. And then the other moment is Bobby absolutely gives Gorilla like a, a raised eyebrow look when he says, I'm going to put oh. you in the queen's box over there. And, and you can see the Gorilla is so proud of that line. Like he starts yeah. smiling, like beaming as he's <laughs> saying like the last few lines of that before they throw away. Yeah, so that was funny. Those two. Yeah. Funny moment there between those two crowds chanting weasel, which is something that would follow him throughout his time as a commentator, even into WCW. Oh yeah, uh, 
No, it's good stuff. Where, and later on, he's yeah. like he's like egging on the entire arena in the middle of like the intermission because I was like, "What are we doing?" And we finally go back to them, and like the whole crowd's just like chanting at them. And Gorilla's yes. like, "Would you stop it?" <laughs> so, anyways, it's we something go, that good. It's something I, I it's something I know Bischoff in WCW would get on both the brain and Larry Zabisco about was oh, yeah. their hot dogging to the fans <laughs> during the opens of these shows. So Ugh, you're just making them do it more. Uh, See, so yeah, a match number one here on this what? show. Yeah. Uh, before we get to match number one, I just was going to say, what do you think about Mel Phillips, our ring announcer for the evening? I wasn't sure who it was because I didn't catch the name mentioned and they didn't like do a good job of like really overtly telling me who it was. So I was just like, no. I don't know who this guy is. Is he like from the UK or is he with the company at this time? I have really no sure. I'm not sure about his like background at all. Mm-hmm. All I do know is that he is. It's a very uninspired performance. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just he can project. He, he, he literally just kind of reads the names. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's nothing. There's no like theatrics to it. Like you can tell that he's like projecting his voice. But other than right. that, that's about as far as like the yeah the the showmanship of it goes. It's definitely right. it's you know it's no Justin Roberts on fucking being no. the elite like lately. Uh, but yeah, no. so match number one, it's a tag team attraction, which made me laugh when they said they called it a tag team attraction. Uh, the Nasty Boys with Jimmy Hart taking on the Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, and uh, they're talking about how the Nasties are former champs. Heenan puts over the the hall by saying that it feels like Madison Square Garden in here, like you had said earlier. Um, and Gorillaz talks about it being over 100 years old, and Heenan says, well, so is Lord Alfred Hayes, and we get a, our first would you stop it of the evening. <laughs> uh, I, I will, I'll bet you anything that there's nothing Gorilla probably loves more than when the brain makes jokes about Alfred Hayes. For sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny stuff. Uh, rockers run to the ring, they run the Nasty Boys out of the ring, you know, and do their, you know, calisthenics running in place yeah. thing when they're in the ring. When they were um, bounce off those fucking ropes, man, did you see how loose that shit is? Like, those ropes are going down to that middle rope, like, immediately. They're like, yeah, this is why we don't do high-risk moves. Like, don't even try it. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Speaking of Marginetti, that, though, Yes, go ahead. The ropes. I was curious, because I was like, do you think that they, like, shipped a ring over there and then or did they have one made there did they buy one from somebody like i'm just curious on like how specific they would be about having their ring and having their crew and all that i don't know about 91 because i mean if they're doing a full tour you know you'd think they would just bring yeah everything with them you just set up and tear down and move on would the you next fly night. it would you be able to fly a, a ring at that oh, time in to. 1991 oh yeah i would imagine okay. so I mean, this pro- all these reasons are why they didn't do a lot of this international stuff back in the day, <laughs> you know, when I'm sure all of that was much more difficult and you know Makes sense. expensive, certainly. Uh, Marty Jannetty showing he's a true nasty boy, blowing his nose into one of the jackets. I believe it was Sags, who would literally had a look on his face like, damn it, Marty. <laughs> I love that they just did not show us him wearing this jacket for the two huh. seconds before that. Like he started to yeah. put it on and the camera cuts to the nasties and we don't see it again until he's definitely got the jacket back off. Yeah. <laughs> don't, show, don't show him in that jacket. Don't you dare show him in that jacket. Um, we, yes, go ahead. There's like, right. It's all in this little moment here. This is one of those times when I accidentally get caught pausing too often. And then I start making remarks about like what's happening in segments that really no one's paying attention to. But like right, right after that jacket throw, we get a shot of Brian knobs just on the apron and he's just doing this like weird motion with his mouth 
Or it's like, is this like you're like, I'm a monster heel face? Like, what is going on? I, I made a gif of it. It's on the notes if you want yeah. to check it out, but it's weird. The, that's what I was about to say, like, too. Like, the like they just, like you had mentioned, it's very house showish. We're just stalling. Oh, yeah. And we're not even, like, doing a lot. It's just kind of like you had mentioned. The nasties are kind of, you know, mugging for the crowd and, yes. you know, waving their arms at them to chat up and, you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's, that goes on for a while, and it's like, that was not good. The posing thing, it's like, why didn't you guys get to this like three minutes ago? Yeah. When they finally started doing the like, knobs up oh. on the turnbuckle, boo, rockers on the turnbuckle, <laughs> yay. Like, yeah, why did why, why'd you guys wait so long to start this? It took, it like, I thought the match was just about to get going, and then all of a sudden yeah. we started doing the pose in the corner. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Man, it, it was like... None of us want to have a twenty-minute match, but we got a lot of time to fill. So go out there and find ways to waste as much of it as possible in every match. Whose idea was it that the Nasty Boys would be in a twenty-minute match with anybody? I don't understand this. That's that's a lot to ask of any human being. Um, but eventually, we do get to probably the best workers of both teams: Jerry Sags and Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. Not sure what happened to that guy. Um, Sags master beats of the Michaels. master of the super kick versus the master of the abdominal stretch. Mm, yes. Uh, Sags beats Michaels up in the corner. Uh, he caught a leapfrog attempt from old Sean, uh, but he was able to escape and hit super kicks, like you mentioned, on both Nasty Boys. I believe they're still being called crescent kicks at this point <laughs> from Gorilla. So. Yeah. They look nice, though. They, at this yeah. point, like he's got it down already to where it looks really good. Oh, yeah. that's what's funny. is it? And it's not like, oh, and then next month he figures it out. No. He's going to become it like... It's a while before the super kick matters. Like they try and make a <laughs> few bad finishes with him before they finally figure out sweet chin music. So, oh. yeah. So, did you mention Janetti getting the big double cross body to knock both of them down? I had not. So yeah, he jumps off the ropes, hits that. Uh, Heenan then says that the Rockers just they know too many moves. So to win, the Nasties have to slow it down and suffocate him in the corner. It's one of those real like rarities that Brain pulls out every now and then when he like legitimately has great insight into, like, the psychology of wrestling. Yeah. You're not you know? wrong. <laughs> he's kind of being a smartass about it, but he throughout a lot of this match, and then, like, the middle of this match, there's a lot of that talk where he's like, you know, what are they doing? Why don't they grab, you know, like, he's mm-hmm. being very, he's, like, being very managerial about his, like, analysis of things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so Nobbs tags in, and he wants Janetti. And so we get the whole, like, you want this guy? Okay. And so he, you know, gives him the tag, and the crowd doesn't really care. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's a decent reaction. It's, uh, right. but I don't know. We'll see later with the hot tag, the reaction to Janetti that I want to point out. But anyways, Tony, yes. Yeah, so we got Janetti here in the ring with knobs. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his, gets his boots up at a charting sags and then hits a face buster. Uh, and Sean would take Sags out, and the Rockers pose for the crowd. They're pretty excited about all that. Um, I, just, I liked the – there was just a great image of, like, the Nasty Boys. Like, they're hunched over. They're, like, hurting. They're, like, you know, kind of making their way back through the – like, near the crowd. And all these kids are just slapping them with their phone yes. <laughs> It looked like one of those, like, things football players run through with, like, the pad. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Just every, every kid with, like, their foam fingers slapping the Nasty Boys as they walked by. Um, Brain says he likes the natural disasters, and Gorilla says he likes the bushwhackers. And Brain says, "Oh yeah, they're, they're from England." And Gorilla says, "Why are you talking? About? They're from New Zealand." And Brain says, "Ah, you know, close enough." Just <laughs> funny stuff there. Um, Sags and Marty squaring off. Janetti with a drop toe hold followed by a front face lock. 
because it's time to slow down, kid. Uh, Marty with an arm drag, followed by a, you know an arm bar submission. Rockers swap out without a tag. Very heelish here. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, and then we also encourage lying, as the crowd would then go on <laughs> and lie to the official when he has it. Like, listen, I love this kind of indie house show stuff. Yeah. But it is very, like, you know, again, I, I don't know how to explain this. There's no good kayfabe way here. No, not at all. Yeah, so they do the false tag. The fans cheer. The ref allows it. Then they do it again, and the fans back them up again. This really upsets Nobbs. Uh, yep. In comes Nobbs and Michaels. He does it again. And this time, though, Sags pokes him in the eye when the camera isn't looking. Uh, Michaels crotches Sags on the ring post, and Gorilla says, We have another soprano at the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> and uh, now Janetti finger points and argues with Jimmy. And in the ring, Nobbs low bridges the ropes on Michaels, sending him tumbling to the floor. Michaels is down. Janetti runs into the ring, attacking Sags, which distracts the ref long enough for Nobbs to hit Michaels with a floor clothesline. So the heels just start working over Shawn Michaels. And uh, it, it goes for a while here. Michaels hulks up in the middle of it by, like, stomping his feet like a horse in the corner. Did you? That was a weird moment. It felt very much like John Cena's old, like, jump, like finger pose thing that he did for like two minutes on his like warm up to the final match but it was just it was something that was like yeah Michaels don't do that that was weird yeah uh, but it's time once again this match was just beginning to be entertaining so it's time to slow down kid Everyone's as Sags, Sags put the bear hug <laughs> on something you know what I dare I dare the wrestler to bring back a legitimate bear hug you know don't like don't tell the I dazzler want- he'll show up I want Big E Langston doing bear hugs. <laughs> and then he can kind of swivel his hips at the same time. I think there it would be go. a lot of fun. There there could be something in that. There could be something in that. It'd probably be a little bit offensive. Nobs tags in. <laughs> uh, drops I do, bows. Yes. I do like Heenan saying right in that bear hug because he's like, uh, Gorilla's like, all oh, these fans are going to, they're going to cheer and get Shawn Michaels some energy here. And he goes, if you have to rely on the humanoids for energy, you're in trouble as a tag team. <laughs> It's like that idea of like why the the heel doesn't care for what the crowd like like that. I was like, oh, there's a reason for it. There you go. Makes a lot of sense. You know, they don't don't rely on that energy and you won't need it. Uh, Like I said, Nobbs is in dropping bows on Michaels. Camel clutch. Jesus Christ, guys. Sean fights out of that by just standing up and falling backwards. Kind of impressive. Did you hear what Gorilla called that camel clutch? Oh, God. What do you you The reverse double chin lock. I was like, sure. no, I don't think if that's it, at all. But <laughs> it's a fat person, I guess you could. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, if it was it was reversed, or it was one of the rockers putting it on one of the nasties. Maybe you'd call that out, but right. it was just weird. Yeah. Uh, so Nobs misses a running splash in the corner. Shawn Michaels then takes out Jerry Sags with a clothesline. In comes Marty Janetti, and the crowd goes wild, and then just falls off a cliff. <laughs> Yeah, they do the they do the false like come in and then they go back and then they finally get the hot tag. Like they do it they build it perfectly. And the crowd yeah. explodes perfectly. Oh yeah. And oh, then yeah. they just disappear and until it's time to count. So here's a little bit of this. Amazing. I didn't think the people in England here could count the 
I had to keep in the the Heenan line there about counting to ten. But uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So you kind of hear the crowd like they're they're still into what's happening, but they're not like right. that hot like roar that you want from one of these tags. Right. Yeah. It just goes quickly from like, oh my god, this is a huge deal, and then just they're like, all right, that's enough. Like we're gonna sit back down. Well, it's also <laughs> it's Marty Jenny comes in with right fit, right punches, like a big True. right hand, a big right hand, then like a mediocre drop kick, a mediocre drop. Kick. It's like, dude, do Marty something, Jenny, man. That- Marty does throw a hell of a punch, though. I'll give him that. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Um, um, but yeah, more, more, uh, we'll get to the end of the match here, and then I got to ask you about something because I. It's anyways, Marty. Yeah, Bo- the nasty boys are whipped into each other. Marty covers for the win after some ha ha shenanigans. Um, wait, that gorilla's not convinced that it's over. Well, there's what looks like a three count, like yeah. and it's knobs when he kicks out. He he like slams his foot on the apron. And it sounds like the ref hit a third. But if you watch the ref closely, he doesn't even get close. No, yeah. He's just no, a two. That's why Gorilla was so like, come on, Gorilla. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was, yeah, I wasn't sure why he was harping on it so badly. But anyways, we get the Mr. Hart, Jimmy Hart on the apron. He's He's up there and all of a sudden, you know. Shawn Michaels goes over to grab him, and as soon as he does, Hart throws the megaphone to Nobbs, who hits Jannetty in the back with it. This somehow, like, Hart knocks Michaels on his ass. Or no, he's following Jimmy Hart yeah. outside. So as he's chasing him around the outside, Nobbs just rolls over, covers Jannetty. One, two, three. Your winners, the Nasty Boys. And man, what a fucking dumb finish. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's a fine finish, but it's like the crowd just is like because of the way it timed out. It's just like the crowd's like, "Wait, what's happening?" If, they, if that mistaken yeah. finish wouldn't have happened two seconds earlier, it probably would have been better. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, so the match is what it was. I got to ask you about this though because I've forgotten to bring it up at any point. Did you see the Marty Janetti like Facebook post thing that was going around? Uh uh-uh. uh about, about him talking about like. And only I can't even do it justice. You got to look it up because it's only it's worded as awfully. Are you talking about the one with like, like his stepdaughter? What's that? Are you talking about the one with like his stepdaughter or something? No, no, he's struck again. This he's got a new one where he's talking <laughs> about desperately having sex with like his desperate neighbor or something like that. <sighs> but it was beautiful. It's like it's so weird. He's like, and we only, but we only did it once, and now she's asking me for child support for two kids. <laughs> And like one of the replies, like, like, has anyone explained the concept of twins to Marty Jannetty? Like the possibility. Like, <laughs> he was just like, really, that's next one time. Now she's asked me for child support for two kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a m- more common thing than you'd think. I haven't uh, seen if there's been any updates to that saga, but it was, Jesus. I can't even do it justice. It was written like a third grade education. <laughs> and that was kind of the most entertaining uh. part about it. So I, I was not a huge fan of this match. It wasn't the worst match on the card, but the right. ending here I did love because I was so down on the end that when Bobby Heenan starts talking about this, it was cracking me up. We don't need to see any replays. Let's go to our next match. Let's go to our, no, I don't want to see uh, Let's go back no, and take no. a look at some of the action that went down in this one. Only moments ago here. Not necessary. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to see any more of that. It's not necessary. Well, because I love also like the brains dying, like, you know, defense of Jimmy Hart throughout the show. And I say throughout the show, folks, because apparently Vince is only flying one manager to the UK. Yeah. And Jimmy Hart is going to have to go out there with everybody tonight. (laughs) 
He's out here four times, four it's times, tonight, and he's backstage like three extra times in in yeah. on top of the yeah. requisite times right before you come outside. <laughs> if you're like, man, I have really got an itching for some Jimmy Hart. Is there a show out there where I can get my fill of as much Jimmy Hart as I can handle? It would be this it, one. I think there might be a Jimmy Hart specific like home video special in that collection oh, yeah. somewhere. But other yeah. than that, this is probably it. Yeah. Um, uh, he's out there cutting promos for different people. He's getting involved in matches in every way you could think of. Like yeah. this is quite a performance from Jimmy Hart tonight. Jesus. Yeah. He's all over the place. Um, so anyways, yeah, so we now go backstage with Mean Gene and Ric Flair. And Mean Gene is, uh, he, he's talking about, you know, Ric Flair's a newcomer to the Federation, but he's a veteran of the wrestling ring. And Rick, in the middle of this, unveils the real world championship around his waist, and we don't get any sort of fuzzy camera work here. Right. They just show us the belt. Uh, he says he's going to win this. Go ahead. I was gonna say it is beautiful. Like it is so. <laughs> I don't know why it is so damn cool. And there's a, f- a handful of these moments. I think the funeral parlor segment is available somewhere on the network where mm-hmm. he has the belt around his waist. You can see it. Uh, it's just so cool. Like it's, you know, this would be the biggest thing in the world if it happened like three years later. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But because it happened when it happened in a kind of a transitional time from Crockett to WCW and in Turner and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why it just kind of gets swept under the rug, but it's like the world title from the <laughs> bigger competition to this company was just on television. Yeah, they're world champ- they're world champion, and this is not even comparable because it just it's not the same. But if AEW champion Chris Jericho just showed up on Raw Monday, yeah, wearing that belt and saying he was the true, you know what I mean? Like the fucking planet would explode. Like, <laughs> yeah. Their minds wouldn't be able to handle it. Uh, so it's still just one of those things I feel like is wildly underrated just from like a cool factor. Like, I just, I don't know why I, agree. I like it. I just think it's, and it's also just so wild to see Ric Flair, you know, the greatest wrestler that doesn't work for Vince McMahon and has existed for almost 20 years at this point, even. Yeah. Kind of being treated like this newcomer. You know what I mean? Like, it's just funny to see him like. <laughs> to the WWF audience, you know, and you're like, holy shit, that's Ric Flair from Great American Bashes and, yeah. you know, Starcades, and it's like, hey, newcomer, Ric Flair, gonna go out there and <laughs> try to beat Tito Santana. Like, it's just wild. Uh, yeah, so he's, you know, he's talking, he says he's gonna win the Battle Royal, he also says, you know, Barati Piper, you can run, but you can't hide, I'm here to make sure you know that I'm the man for now and forever, but here's Ric Flair, as only he can do it. Roddy Piper, you're here live tonight, and boy, you can run, but you can't hide. You know why? Because the real world's heavyweight champion is here to make sure you know firsthand that I'm the man for now and ever. All right, confidence personified, gentlemen. So there you go. It's also just kind of fun to think about because, again, I'm not saying like wrestling fans were completely closed off to the competition, but a lot of these WWF fans probably weren't familiar with Ric Flair. I can just imagine like sitting there and being like, huh, what's this guy? And just being like blown away with that kind of a pro. <laughs> you know I mean? like, everybody else that yeah. talks like that screams nonsense, you know, like the Warrior and Hogan. It's like to just hear someone go out there and cut a perfect wrestling promo. Like there weren't many guys that could do that at this point. Yes, that is what brings us right to match number two. 
Match number two, it's Arriba, Tito Santana versus the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Yes. The former Tito Intercontinental Champion, Tito. That's right, damn it. Uh, who still hasn't bought tights since he broke up with Rick Martell and Strike Force, but whatever, that's fine. He's, <laughs> uh, his yeah. And also, like, his music hits long after he's already coming out. Because I was like, oh, I thought by now they had their theme music, and I remember Tito having entrance music. And yeah. it, it happens, it just takes, he's almost to the ring by the time it starts. <laughs> There's some weird parts with the music specifically here tonight. Uh, yeah. like some guys just don't have it. It's like, why, why are so many of these guys have music if not everybody does? Uh, so here comes, you know, Ric Flair. He's got his lime green robe with gold bedazzled, uh, you know, sequins and all that shit. And, uh, Heenan says, this man has done it all. He gives a Flair a standing ovation. Gorilla pulls him back down to his seat as soon as we take the shot of Heenan standing. And then Heenan starts asking about getting tea trumpets, which makes me laugh because Gorilla starts shouting, it's tea and crumpets! It's the little pastries! <laughs> uh, no, that's good stuff. Um, I wonder if Ric Flair inspired Macho Man to, like, up his robe game. Probably. Because whenever you see the two of them, like, it always is one of those things where it's like, why is Macho's robes just so sad sometimes? <laughs> no, I don't. I would say after this, though, is when he really embraces, like, the full-color sequin outfit and, you know, some of that stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, so this match starts off. Flair backs Tito into the corner and gives him a woo. Uh, Tito would return the favor with a shot in the corner. Santana with a shoulder block, and Flair would duck out. It's also just kind of fun to watch a Ric Flair match in 1991. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Because it's not like much has changed. No. (laughs) Only it's. It's here in the WWF instead of on TBS. Um, <laughs> Rick's back in, top wrist lock, you know, pulls Santana down by the back of his hair. Just awesome stuff. Just, again, a little thing that is it's amazing. It's good, but it is very much like it's that house show feel because they do the full extended three times with the referee. Did you pull his hair? No. <laughs> and the crowd yelling Rick, about it. No, yeah, Ric Flair's got a great way about shaking his head no when refs are asking him questions also. He's just... Him and Piper. Whole, everything on his head shakes. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, but I did. I loved the way that the third time that he did it, like, because the camera's behind uh, Tito and you watch him, like, creep his hand all the way up his back and then yep. grab the hair and pull him down. It's just... It's it's good stuff, you know? It's it, Ric Flair right on top of his game as far as that kind of stuff's going on. And Brain, of course, loves it. He says he likes it. It works for him. That's how he just <laughs> defends the gorilla. Santana escapes. Flair begs off in the corner. Tito fires up with punches, hits a back body drop, and then back-to-back drop kicks to the nature boy. Uh, Flair bump, and then he rolls to the floor. Uh, Santana slams him face first into the guardrail. And then Flair is just like, screw you, man. Like, I don't know. There's just a weird turn in the match here where, like, Tito's like, all right, I've done that, and I'm done, and I'm going to get back in the ring. And Flair is just like, nah. No, I'm going to take the advantage. Now. He just like grabs him r- from behind, rakes his <laughs> eyes. And the it was just like a weird, like, yeah. Tito, it almost felt like Tito felt like, all right, that's our end of our time out here. And Rick's like, no, no, I'm going to get some shit. Out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did kind of feel a little weird there. Uh, so back in the ring, we get a sunset flip by Tito, which results in an extended Aloha Arn, as the OSW boys like to put it. But Tito mm-hmm. grabs a toe hold, but has to release it when Flair gets to the ropes. So Flair yeah, continuing yeah. to just beg off quite a bit. And I do like that every time that he does the no, 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 the crowd, like the kids in the crowd love, 
yes, yes. They just love like countering whatever Ric Flair is saying in the ring. That's why he's so great. You know what I mean? Like people of all ages can hate him equally. Uh, <laughs> Santana, the man in control, controlling the leg of Ric Flair, um, attacking it, you know, as if he's preparing him for the figure four. Flair with a double leg takedown, and then he immediately used the ropes for leverage and pinned Tito for a two count. Santana gets a 10 punch in the corner. Rick, though, hits an inverted atomic drop to put a stop to that. Flair then with a kick to the ribs and a knee drop to the down Santana. Uh, brains going on about Hogan and mentions <laughs> that he wears yellow because it matches his back, which just cracked me up. Yeah, I like that one. I've got that in my notes as well. Because oh. <laughs> the other thing that Heenan loves doing on this show, and it's true, it's like, where's Hulk Hogan? Why isn't Hulk Hogan here? Dude, he's, you know. This and what was the was it nineteen ninety five WCW that we watched where it was just like yeah Hogan's just not here now yeah. <laughs> he's just not around yeah, WCW that shit happened all the time because he had some stupid thing in his contract where he only had to work so many pay per views yeah a year. So that's why there's just random times when WCW is like on fire and Hogan's just not at a pay per view <laughs> like really, like could you imagine you know like at any time when people were on top like if John Cena was just like yeah I'm not gonna be at Survivor Series this year. Just don't feel feeling it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Rick turns the tide. He's in control, chops and punches the corner. He flare whips Tito from corner to corner. More punches. We get a snapmare, and then he's again using the ropes for leverage while he has, I believe, a side headlock on. Uh, Santana, though, would get the upper hand once again, sending Flair into the corner. He goes up and over, and then he walks the apron. And Santana clotheslines him, and so Flair falls down onto the apron. And uh, Tito would suplex the Nature Boy from that said apron back into the ring oh, yeah. as he is in full control of this matchup. Yeah, he gets a backslide for a two cl- uh, for a two count. Flair is then back in control, though, after seemingly no reason. He's just another one where he's just like, now it's my turn. Um, yep. Suplex by Flair. He wants and locks on the figure four. He demands that the ref look at his face. Look at his face. <laughs> and every time he does, he then grabs the ropes behind the ref's back. And we do the same spot as before with the hair thing, but this time with ropes. Um, and that was that was when I have in my notes here that I loved like the kids tattling on Ric Flair. Like they <laughs> love like you can just hear him as soon as he starts doing that. You know, like just yep. screaming about it. The ref does the hey are those are those ropes shaking? Did you grab this? And we get the no. Uh, <laughs> Tito turns over the move, however, but Flair releases it out of pain. Gorilla says, withstanding Flair's figure four is a moral victory in itself. So there you go. Tito's not winning this one, folks. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> um, Flair on the, from the outside pulls Tito by his feet out there. They brawl a little bit. Santana, though, would toss Rick off the top rope as they got back into the ring. You know, the classic Flair spot there. Tito with a clothesline and covers for a two count. Brain doing a great job here, you know, losing his mind. Him and Gorilla are awesome in this match as, you know, Gorilla's oh, yeah. digging his brain any chance he gets. Uh, we get the flying forearm or the flying burrito, as Jesse Ventura would call it, from Santana. But Rick got his foot on the rope, so he almost had the real world's champion. Uh, Tito rolls Rick up. Rick, though, would counter and pull all the tights, as we'll see in a second. <laughs> The one, two, three, your winner, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Oh, I had almost forgotten about the uh, the all of the tights pull. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this match, uh, probably one of the better matches on the show for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, obviously, oh, yeah. Ric Flair, very talented man, knows what he's doing, and he plays the crowd perfectly here today. Uh, the, the kids seem to really enjoy this one, especially just, you know, going after Ric Flair. Uh, but 
Dito Santana not able to get the victory, which is a bummer. No, yeah, and then in the replay, for some reason, we take the ass side <laughs> of Tito Santana. Jesus, like it's it's his entire ass and almost his balls. You, it's it's surprising that you don't get any balls in this shot. Like I was just like, geez, like why are we? They show it in slow motion. Like what is going? I thought this was a PG tape. What's going on yeah. here? It's, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. So now we go backstage to Mean Gene, who, it, while we get a lot of Jimmy Hart, Mean Gene has so oh, much God. fucking screen time on this show. Like, if you like Mean Gene, this is your yeah. fucking show, man. It just makes you wonder, like, why it took them so long to realize that maybe we should get more than one person to do this. Yeah. And, and the problem is that by the time they really started having other people doing it, they did less of it. So you didn't really <laughs> need it as much, you know? Oh, so Mean Gene has Big Bubba. I'm sorry, that's Big Boss Man with him, and it's Babyface Boss Man, and he's talking about how he's got the earthquake tonight. And here is the Big Bubba promo. You know, Mean Gene, when they say World Wrestling Federation, they mean the entire world, and that is my jurisdiction. Whether it be here in London or in the states, the law will be there. First things first. (laughs) Jimmy Hart's man, Earthquake, six foot nine, 500 pound piece of trash. Well, tonight, boy, the big boss man's going to take out the trash. And when I get through doing that, I'm going to celebrate, Mean Gene. And you know how I'm going to celebrate? I'm going to win me a little trophy right here. So <laughs> the, the Team America World Police member here is the entire world is his jurisdiction. Um, I, I love that. The, the best part about that, though, is let's just use this as a time to remind all of you out there that the big boss man is in no way, shape, or form a member of law enforcement. <laughs> the big boss man is a prison guard. Yeah. You, I don't even know if you need a high school diploma to go apply for a job as a prison guard. Probably not a lot of those, you know, southern private prisons either. I'm not trying to say anything bad about those of you out there that are in this profession, no. but it just always cracks me up how the big boss man, like everything. Why didn't you just say he was a cop? Like all you guys would have had to do at any point in his like storyline, instead yeah. of talking about him being a prison guard from Georgia, <laughs> just say he was a cop. And then everything yeah. that you've, every storyline and every angle you ever do after that yeah. would have made sense. Instead, you said he was a prison guard and, and- and then you still had him cut promos, though, like he was a sheriff or oh, something. You know? Well, because his whole feud with the Mountie is about who's the right. only law enforcement in the company. Yeah. It's like, no, the Mountie's got a good claim now that you point out the fucking prison right. guard thing. Yeah, yeah the Mountie <laughs> is a Mountie. He's a member of the Mountie <laughs> Police Patrol, which are legitimate law oh. enforcement officers. Jesus. So, yeah, so he's going to take out this six-foot-nine piece of trash and... uh He'll celebrate later tonight by winning the Royal Sam Labar Trophy or Sandalbar Trophy. I have no idea what this word is. <laughs> How? What happens at the end of this promo? Like, I feel like Bossman messes up or he just, he keeps, he's like waiting for the cut because he just kind of gets this weird look on his face, like a half smile, kind of like, like feels like he did something wrong. Yeah. And then he's kind of like glancing at Gene awkwardly and like it gene just keeps doing this rap thing and it's yeah. like boss man just like grind your teeth and grit like you know make a scary face the camera he's like looking around for someone to tell him cut or something it's just funny yeah you're not you know I, I, yeah it's absolutely happening um so yeah but we gotta throw it a commercial break 
because Mean yep. Gene's going to do a whole lot of that tonight. When we come back, Gene has moved all the way out into the crowd where he's got his next guest. As he says, this week, my guest is. And I was like, this week? What are you talking But here comes Earthquake and Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart says, people like him get to go wherever he wants to go. And he says that because he's got, oh, no, he's going to be saying this a whole bunch. But he says, you know, he's got earthquake insurance. And he told whoever the fuck is going to be wrestling them that you need to get earthquake insurance. (laughs) Right. I do like this, like, interviewing both participants before the match thing. Like, I don't don't mind it so much. But, and I also like that they enter from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Like they cut the promo and then they walk to the ring. You know, mm-hmm. it's I don't know. I, I kind of I liked that part of it. Um, What'd you think of yeah. uh, Mister Tenta's promo here? Listen, I love Earthquake. You know the the OC guys got their boys. Earthquake would be knocking on my door as far as that goes. <laughs> like I just in all his incarnations because yeah. for, as a kid I was just always very impressed with like his look and size. You know, even though. I didn't know that he was, you know, how big of a loser the Dungeon of Doom were at the time. But I, uh, I like him a lot better than Typhoon and yeah. Tugboat that he would become. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's uh, here's the Quakers promo. Mean Gene, do you know how long of a boat ride it is from U.S. to here? Really far. That's why we took a plane. Anyway, the simple point is we came a long ways. For what we're gonna do tonight, and that's yeah, just I, you know win their match and then win the battle. Right. The the comedy was a little bit odd, <laughs> and I would also wake in a category. And this ha- I think some people were hurt by this. Everybody got a manager if you weren't a babyface pretty much during this time because they thought everybody needed a mouthpiece. Quake was a guy that I think could have just cut promos. Yeah, you know what I mean, like especially Definitely. in this era because I can remember like his stuff with Hogan when he was like almost you know maybe gonna get you know, be, be a big star in his feud with Hogan or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, promos like this that were, you know, pretty good. Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah. he's, he's, he's a lot better than a lot of other big men that get to yell at cameras during this era. Um, yes. So yeah, he says, you know, we're going to take out my opponent and then I'm going to grab my partner and we're going to win the battle Royal. He keeps saying we're going to win the battle Royal. So I don't know right. if he understands that, but gorilla calls earthquake stupid and he didn't take offense to this. But yeah, that's whatever. Oh, I, oh, I thought <laughs> I thought you had audio. You made it sound like you were sorry. Like, no, playing. no, no. Uh, but that takes us to match number three. Match three is none other than the Earthquake and Jimmy Hart taking on the Big Boss Man in my least favorite match of a while that I've watched. Uh, he carries a big stick. He's got a parlor chain too. You're serving hard times with the yeah. Boss Man as he comes out. I forgot how yeah. much I do enjoy the Boss Man music though. The old stuff. Beat them prisoners. That's what pretty much gave me. People love the idea of him beating prisoners. Oh, Earthquake wastes no time before getting into the ring. Danny Davis working overtime tonight. Is that Danny Davis? I was like, wait, no, that's yeah. not him. This one is the guy that looks like Danny Davis. But Danny Davis is in a lot of these matches. I don't think he's I think in this, this one, is, though. It's probably Joey Morella. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Also, but also, Quake did take a little bit of time. They take a shot of him. Before and he says he's not going in there until he drops the stick. Oh, so earthquake, <laughs> he wasn't going to get in there until you know Bossman drops his nightstick. Yeah, but he's in and he's quickly using his weight to push the boss man around. Uh, you even get a fun like Hogan pose from Earthquake 
after he had locked up with the boss man and pushed him down on his butt again, he does the, you know, muscle poses. Mm-hmm. Crowd doesn't boss- like it. They boo him. Oh, yeah. Well, that was perfect, though. Uh, boss man catches uh, Earthquake with a punch and then an uppercut. Uh, Quake, though, with a scoop slam on the boss man, although who was able to roll out of the way to avoid being stomped on by the Earthquake. Did you hear Bobby cover for a Gorilla here? I don't know. What do you say? Gorilla says that boss man is stupid. And Heenan says, you're trying to put one over on me. You meant Earthquake was stupid. You just want me to agree. And I was just like, thank you, Bobby, for covering for Gorilla uh, mistaking which guy was which. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a very good catch there from Bobby. I, I missed that part. Because <laughs> at first, when he said that, that boss man was stupid, I'm like, does Gorilla hate everybody? What's going on here? And then I had to rewind. And I was like, oh, okay. That's what he happened. hates everyone equally. Uh, boss man would drip the jacket off of Jimmy Hart. Mm-hmm. Which is not very nice. Back inside the ring, uh, Big Boss Man avoids a splash and trips the earthquake. Uh, boss them with the side headlock because who doesn't want to watch these two guys grab a hold? Uh, it was right around this time when we got a few camera crowd shots that I realized what the white T-shirts were in the crowd. The Legion of Doom man was selling a whole bunch of merch at this show. Dude, people loved the Legion of Doom. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Because they, well, like, they were cool, you know, and their merchandise looked kind of cool. That shirt specifically, like, you just see it everywhere in the crowd here at this show. Like, a lot of these kids got their T-shirts that night. Well, and you didn't have to worry about, you know, brother, brother, Hulk Hogan being there, you know, <laughs> pushing his crap. So Definitely. Oh. So, yeah, Boss Man cheats. He uses the Quake's beard to hold him when uh, he's almost thrown off. And mm-hmm. Quake shoves him, and he finally gets a shoulder block, but misses the elbow drop. Bossman then hits a second turnbuckle axe handle, and this knocks Quake on his butt. Uh, Quake hits the big power slam on a diving Bossman from the top rope and doesn't cover. Instead, stepping and walking on top of the Bossman and flexing for the crowd yet again, continuing mm-hmm. to just not take this man seriously. This time, the announcers say that was probably a mistake. Uh, Earthquake squishes Bossman in the corner as we begin the, <laughs> the my nemesis from the 90s shows in England. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, yeah, so originally I put this here just for the horns, but when I went and listened while I was recording it, you can hear how this is all Jimmy Hart. He hears the first one, and he eggs him on, and suddenly there are more horns than I even realized was in this building. Take a listen. Right. So you got that on your side. Oh, man, look like he's gonna shoot his hand at them. He's shut up. Ooh, he's knocking the grit right out of him. Like, no offense whatsoever right now. Uh, From the boss man. A sea of movies there was a I'm surprised. Back to the face. Why, God, why? Oh, I, at first, the first time that I was listening to it, I was just like, Jesus, what is up with this crowd all of a sudden? I didn't realize that they were getting after Jimmy Hart directly with it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but all this excitement is happening, and then we go straight to Tony's favorite move, the bear hug. Uh, yeah, time to slow it down, because, you know, these guys, I'm sure, needed to slow down. Now, I'm curious. Uh, of your knowledge of WWF merchandise at this time. Do you know who was selling the uh, suit coat t-shirt? The like tuxedo suit shirt. Coat. It's like a tuxedo t-shirt. 
Really? But there's, that's t-shirt. the other big t-shirt that's in the crowd. There's a white one that says Legion up top, that I'm assuming is a Legion yeah. of Doom, and then there's a black one that looks like you're wearing a suit coat. And I'm just like, I, I can't, can't have- figure out what character would be selling that shirt and that would be popular enough to get this many people in the crowd wearing it. Yeah, like, because, I, I mean, IRS is, like, the only person I could think of <laughs> that that would make much sense for, but that, nobody would want to wear his shirt. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd. But they're all over know. the place, though. I need to find that one. So, yeah, these guys do nothing for a very long time. Eventually, the fight moves to the outside of the ring. Uh, Quake tosses him, Bossman, into the steel steps. Bossman gets back into the ring. Quake hits him with a big clothesline. Bossman, though, won't go down at this point. <laughs> and would actually deliver rapid-fire headbutts in the corner on Earthquake. Yeah. Yeah, just before the boss man not going down was the first time that I was like, I'm, I can't keep watching. I have to take a break. <laughs> this boss man earthquake match just killed me. Um, so fans are booing as out comes the Mountie after Hart is knocked off the apron by the boss man. Um, and then they do the Andre tie up in the rope spot with earthquake and boss yeah. man cross bodies him while he's in the ropes. And I was like, that's a weird move to be doing with such a large, large man. Um, he tries for a second one, but the Mountie trips up the boss man. Earthquake gets in control, drops an elbow and pins him. One, two, three seems like a weak move for a finish, but okay. Your winner is earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was three on one. Gorilla's obviously upset about that with the help from the Mountie and Jimmy Hart, you know, mm. leading to the boss man's demise here. Uh, boss man, that would get a little bit of his heat back as he chases the mouth of the South to the back. <laughs> I did. I didn't mind that. Um, so yeah, then we see the Royal sandal bar trophy and Gene talks about, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's sandal bar. I believe it's <laughs> Sam bar, the sandal bar trophy. Uh, Gene's mm-hmm. talking about how great it is and how it's made of sterling silver. And uh, says, but of course, if to lose, you must fall to the floor, all the way to the floor. Keeps mentioning that. And then here comes Kerry Von Eric, the Texas tornado. Everybody's favorite promo. And (laughs) he tells us how tough this match is and how tough the opponent is. You've got to be one of the favorites to win this gigantic battle royal. No. And oh, what a thrill that would be. That's right, Gene. You know, this is the toughest match. The toughest match the World Wrestling Federation can offer. This is for all the bragging rights. And the winner of this match will be the king of the mountain. And I'll tell you what, I'm coming fist and fire because I'm planning on winning it, Gene. You know, we should point out it's every man for himself. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Gene. I'm not one of the tag team guys. Why are you bringing that up right now? He's just like... Tornado is one of those guys, the Von Erichs uh, in general, are very much the wrestlers that just repeat about 50% of the question that was asked of them. Yeah. And then add very little to like the back end of it, you know, and they, and they feel like that, they feel like it went pretty well. They're like, all right, that was, that was a pretty good one today, guy. That was a pretty good one. Uh, I also always have thought that Kerry Von Erich looks like he was wearing like a hotel bathrobe. Like the way it's like oddly yeah. short and it kind of the way it sits on him. It's just, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a good looking robe. You know, it needs something a little bit bigger here. Uh, yeah. He turns to the opponent, the Mountie and says, you ain't so tough without your stick. It's me and you next. Um, so then we go back from break and Gene is, <laughs> is he out by the ring at this point or is he in the ring? Yeah. I got Who can keep track? He's at ringside with the Mountie and Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Yes. Gorilla calls the Mountie a jailbird, and Jimmy Hart says, you saw what happened in the last match. Of course my man's going to win this next match. 
And yeah, brain. Yeah, brains. Also, brain also calling the real law and order in the WWF. And then pause says, "Well, at least that's what Jimmy told him." You know, just... uh, the Maltese says, "Forget about Carrie Von whatever." I'm gonna tell you something. The only thing that is royal about this little place is me. I am the Maltese. And when I'm finished, beat your head, Kevin Von Eric. I'm gonna win the trophy because I'm the only law and order in the world wrestling federation. Thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> I love that I he love called him Kevin Vonner. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mounties so much for some reason. Like it's just he's so obnoxious and over the top. And when he gets his theme song, when he finally gets to like sing it to the like on his oh, way yeah. to the ring, it's the like I just I don't, there's something that I just laugh every time he does the because I'm. The Mountie, like there's just <laughs> something about his conviction there is so great, mm. and it's just always so random. Like when we watch something like this, and you see someone like the Mountie, and then I just happen to be watching uh, WCW. God, I'm in two, I'm in 2000 watching the pay per views. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it is, but Lance Storm's there, and it's it's a Canadian rules match, and he actually brings Jacques Rougeau out to be like the special <laughs> enforcer of like the Canadian rules, and just nice. like oh, oh, what a small world. That's awesome. Yeah, so. You know, he like the last time that we did a, an interview out here, they kind of just walk into the entrance. Uh, but right. the Mountie wants his music, but he doesn't get any. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> felt bad for him. But yeah, it takes us to our next match. Match number four, it's the Mountie, along with his manager, Jimmy Hart, taking on Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. Oh, boy. Uh, Tornado, best. Or <laughs> I also loved. Did you notice when Kerry's uh, coming out? He's you know getting next to ringside, walks past, and there's a, some girl there, and like he kisses her, and she okay. fucking screams bloody murder after that. Like it was <laughs> louder than anything else in the crowd. It was just like Jesus, what, what just happened? And then you realize what it's like. Oh, okay, that's Goodness. like that's wild. You watch those old like WCCW shows <laughs> yes. and events when he's walking in, and he's literally like walking in, and women are just grabbing him around the neck and like pulling him in for kisses. Like yes. Every like foot, there's another woman like g- grabbing him and like forcing a kiss on him. It's just a different, different world, you know, different time. You can start to even imagine that kind of a thing. Yeah, a lot of cold sores for everybody. Tornado bests well, the know. Mountie for the start, mostly uh, with Hart consoling the Mountie on the outside as the fans chant "Jailbird" at him. What's the storyline yeah. with the Jailbird thing? Is that I'm, I'm almost positive we watched it. I think it was. SummerSlam 91. Oh, did he get arrested for something? No, him and the boss man have a match, and then the loser has to spend a night in jail. Because that's when that's we get right. You you get all you get multiple segments of like him getting fingerprinted and having his picture taken, <laughs> and like him getting put in a cell with some like big guy that like comes up behind. Now, like oh, they do Jesus. the whole, they do all those like jail stereotype things. <laughs> but it's, it's, they're fairly it's fairly fun. Oh, so the Mountie's able to get control after this. He gets a headlock, but Tornado fights out. Mountie locks on a sleeper. Tornado then starts to have his arm checked, but his arm drops one time, but not two. Uh, Tornado fights out and into a sleeper of his own. So competing sleeper holds here. Uh, Mountie gets free. He dodges a spear from the Tornado in the corner. He ends up hitting the turnbuckle with his shoulder. And these Mountie uses this to drop him to the floor. And Heenan says that at this point, the Mountie's ahead on points. And he's not wrong. <laughs> no, not really. 
Mountie slams Von Eric face first into the steps, uh, carries them up on the apron, and the Mountie just kind of punches him back down. Von Eric would pull Mountie out by his feet and slam his face into the steps. A lot of that on this show. Yeah. I'm going to pull you out, and then I'm going to pull you out, and then we'll just do that again. Uh, Mountie moves, and Texas Tornado punches the steel ring post. That's got to hurt. Uh, Tornado then catches the Mountie with a clothesline. Uh, Mountie, though, swept the legs of Von Eric and pinned him with both feet on the ropes for the one, two, three, and the victory. Your winner, the Mountie? Holy hell. Did he sweep the legs? I took it as the injured hand allowed him to not be able to complete the monkey flip. Okay. Well, that's, that's also very good. Kind of what it looked like. But yeah, either way, yeah, quick dirty pin here for the Mountie, and uh, he's your winner. So Jimmy Hart. If you're counting his team, he's doing well tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not too bad at all. And then it's like, oh, wait, the match is going to continue or something. Again, Gorilla, like Gorilla. Yeah. Like, is nobody in your ear? Like, stop just, like, freestyling the things are happening. Like, <laughs> his assumptions are really off tonight. Because oh. I was like, oh, is it continuing? And then Jimmy and Mounty just, like, run backstage. And yeah. That's- because, like, the ref seems like he's cool with it continuing because he's, like, making motions like he's ready for them to continue fighting. And then, like, right. as soon as, you know, the first move looks like it's going to be not the Mountie, he just skedaddles out of there, which is, you know, good heel heat there. But it yeah. is weird because, yeah, Heenan's like, what's going on here? Uh, so, yeah, the Mountie's backdropped. He leaves the ring, heads to the back. Tornado's music plays instead as he poses for the crowd. We then go to the funeral parlor where... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Bear is hanging out. He says, it's a pleasure to be in London. Uh, <laughs> I love, like, early Undertaker and Paul Bear, like, just full-on cartoon characters. They totally are cartoon characters here, man. Like, they've got green lighting. Uh, yeah. He's talking about ghosts of royalty all around and uh, in cemeteries. And Hacksaw, tonight is your night. And then the Battle Royal. Um, but, yeah, I did like this line from <laughs> from The Undertaker here. As the sands of the hourglass run out, so the breath in your lungs, and long before the battle royal comes, rigor mortis will have set in. All that's left is a WWF mass burial. So he's murdering him in this match. Yeah, he's going to kill Jim Duggan. I'm not sure anybody out there is concerned enough about this. They don't really, the authorities don't question him. Having heard that again and having you just mentioned that and, and us thinking about it, it does make what ends up happening in the match make more sense. Right. <laughs> if he is purely here to just murder Jim Duggan and not actually <laughs> wrestle or compete. Um, it, it's also a little bit annoying, and they just have to do it. But the fact that every promo... They're like very focused and talking about this opponent, and then they all have to be like, "Oh, and the battle royal." I'm yes. also going to win the battle. Like everybody's promo is exactly the same way. Like they have all these great things to say about their actual match, and they're like, "Oh, and and I'm going to win that battle royal thing too." So that line with the WWF mass burial. They have the camera is like at his toes, shooting straight up his nose at this awkward angle. Like they get this face where it's like it doesn't even look like the Undertaker anymore. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, this is also at the point when Undertaker isn't saying rest in peace yet. It's Paul Bear that's calling out the rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we go to break. And we're back. We see that there's a man playing the organ entrance live on the building system, which it's not very loud, but 
Holy shit, that organ is gigantic. Yeah. It's cool as hell. Like it's and they eventually like the, it gets a little bit better like yeah. as far as them picking up the audio from it. But yeah, cool as hell. A really old organ like I really I, just a cool visual as well. Like these pipes stretch like the height of the building like when you're yeah. looking at let's explain this a little bit here when you're like there's the ring there's the the ring side seats and then mm-hmm. there starts to be layers and there's the first yeah. layer and then there's like a wall of what seems to be four more stories of balconies uh before you get to the very top and it is just there's you know this huge towering thing and so when you look at the organ it takes up like three sections of seats and there's just pipes like from the ceiling all the way down, and it's just awesome. Yeah. It, yeah, it's really, really something to see. Like, one of the cooler organs I've ever seen like that. Yeah, and just it fits so well that they also happen to have a wrestler that needs organ music here tonight Yeah, for match number five. Yeah, so match number five is The Undertaker with his manager, Paul Bearer, taking on Ho Jim Duggan. <laughs> And USA, USA. Nobody is as over in the UK as Jim Duggan for some reason. And uh, like Gorilla doesn't, Gorilla doesn't do it on this show. But remember, on the UK Rampage show, Gorilla's like, "You watch Brain? Oh yeah. When he when he comes out here, these people are going to chant USA, and (laughs) he's not wrong. It's just funny because like you couldn't even, you couldn't imagine." This happening. This would not happen. Uh-uh. I don't care what the guy's guy or girl's gimmick is. No country outside of the United States would chant USA in 2019, 2020. <laughs> Do you know, um, like, when was that Rampage show that we did? Uh, you know, just like weeks how long ago. ago? No, how long ago was it before this? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. It was a few, it was a few shows before this. It's not been that long ago. Like, no, I mean, like, in real time. Oh, like, how oh. far separated were they in real life that, chronologically? That, well, we did, what was it, 92? Was it so 92? It okay, so it was yeah. the next year. We, well, we've done we've done 92 and 93, I think. So, and okay. it would have been, been about a year after this. I didn't realize how close they were, and also that it was this first. So, this that's very interesting for something mm-hmm. later on. Anyways, um, so, yeah, so... So yeah, like you said, it, we're, we've been to a few of these UK shows, and I just think it's amazing how much that Jim Duggan is just over in the UK yeah. on these shows. Um, so yeah, Duggan blocks a punch from the dead man and overpowers him with punches of his own in a clothesline to the floor, but Heenan points out that he landed on his feet, and he wasn't phased at all. And when he gets on the apron, he like knocks him back down, and he lands on his feet again, and the fans begin chanting, USA! USA! And Taker then stuns Duggan over the top rope when he was like on the apron sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Taker then begins choking. He choke holds him, and Gorilla's mad that the ref isn't stopping him. And this is all that Undertaker's going to do for the rest of the match. It's all the Undertaker did for like the first two years of his career. Like it's <laughs> he was a bit of a choker. Um, this is what he liked to do. Gorilla explaining that the Undertaker is a man like you and I. He still puts his pants on one leg at a time, and Brain like kind of squashes. I'm just like, I don't really want my commentator doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they shouldn't be trying to tell me that this guy is nothing to be feared. You know what I mean? Or he's just a guy. You know? I, I just wonder if like if they were faltering on their, or maybe they were worried that this isn't going to work out, and so they might need to. Yeah. Maybe they're cutting their corners a little bit right. there to cover their it's bases. Just, you know, it's like. It's like that's why he's the phenom. You know what I mean? Like he is, yeah. 
you don't want to call him a zombie, that's fine, but they've got plenty other ways to kind of like describe him. That at, least, work. at least we know that in a few years they'll take the other turn and he'll have like Satan lightning powers. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, fa- <laughs> my favorite Undertaker. Um, he hits the old school, which at this point was still the new school, I guess. You know, the is- walk. Walk the top rope. Goddamn impressive on that slack rope that that thing is. Because, like, that rope, he's basically walking on the middle rope, the way this mm-hmm. one bends all the way down. <laughs> yeah, and he stops and, like, looks back at the urn and stalls for a good amount of time before he even jumps off the rope. So Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, he, he chokes Jim Duggan with an in, and then uh, Hacksaw escapes with an inverted atomic drop. Jim goes for a 10 punch but stops at 6 because, you know. Why not? These people. <laughs> Doug and then rolled out to chase Paul Bear, who stole his two by four. I don't know why that just cracked me. It was just funny. Uh, Paul doesn't run real well. Taker would attack Duggan from behind and roll him back into the ring. Big clothesline drops the or big clothesline from the Undertaker drops Duggan, and then Jim Duggan's like, you know what? I'm just gonna use my two by four, and yeah. he does. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, instead of just losing or, you know, continuing with the match, he just grabs well, the two by four and hits him. Well, and again, it's well profiled over the years by the OSW guys, but Jim Duggan is like on that list along with like Roddy Piper and a few others that never lost. They never <laughs> lost clean. And it was like, dude, you're Jim Duggan. Yeah. You know, go lose to The Undertaker. Seriously. You know, like what? What are we keeping you strong for? But he's one of these guys that's always doing the double countouts or disqualifications uh, or, you know, okay. whatever. See, so, uh, you know, winner as a result of disqualification, the Undertaker. Uh, Duggan sends Taker falling over the ropes into the floor. His music plays as Paul Bear uses the urn to get him out of there. Heenan says, if you watch the way he reacts, the urn is the secret of this whole thing. Uh, we then go back to Mean Gene, who's got the hot rod with him. Rowdy Rowdy ah. Piper, Tony, and he says he wishes ah. he had relatives to be proud of him. I mean, Gene, good to see ya. Um, yeah, he's never been in company this good, but they let Heenan in, so he figured he was good enough. I I, I do like him going after Bobby Heenan here. This oh, is, yeah. This is good stuff. Of course, I figured if they let Bobby the Brain Heenan in, that I could come in. I figured that was okay. Heenan, I've been listening to you. You lie more than the government does. And one more time, you call this a skirt, baby. I'm going to come up there and slap you so long, your hair's going to go back to its natural color. <laughs> Just furious. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's good stuff. You can never... Uh, yeah, I'm a big Roddy Piper fan. One of my favorites of all time. Um, yes. And he then, he then goes in on Ric Flair. Yes, he goes in on Ric Flair. But the one thing I want to point out here is if you watch this, the best thing is Mean Gene selling the possible dirty word or that like the even the, the skirting, the, the dirtiness of the word. Like he like acts like, oh, my God, how, how that just came out of his mouth. But take a listen here to Piper. And as for you, Mr. Ric Flair, the real world champion, if you believe that, you believe there's going to be a, a boy George Jr. Let me tell you something, real world champion, you feather-wearing flocking freak. Let me tell you something, not one time have I backed down from no one. Battle Royal, you should see these guys back there. 
20 guys, they're gnawing on the walls. They're gnawing on each other. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful time. What I'm going to do, I'm going to get my hands on Flair, going to finish up the Battle Royal. Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get that football player, Gaza, going to take him to the disco, show him how to ring a few bells. I have no idea what the last part of that is about. I'm sure it's topical. Piper had a bad habit of doing that kind of thing, even though it didn't last long. Yeah. yeah. What did he call him? A feather wearing flocking freak. fool or something? Feather freak? wearing flocking freak, yeah. That was something. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely sounds like he says fucking. Oh, he does. And mean gene. Like his mouth pot like his jaw drops to the floor real yeah. quick and he like gives a look at the the floor manager or whatever. It's it's good yeah. stuff. Um So yeah. See so yeah, he says, you know, he's gonna get gars or whatever, and he like Gene somehow feels the need to express what he's going to be doing tomorrow. And he says he's having tea with the queen mother. And I was like, is that just the regular queen or is that a different person? I don't know. Yeah, because him and the brain are both apparently got dates the next day or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to break. We come back to break with guess who? Mean Gene. And (laughs) he's standing next to the man with the second most camera time. Jimmy Hart, who's got his buddy Typhoon, who doesn't yet go. Hee. But he would later. Uh, Typhoon takes offense at Gene asking what would happen if you and Earthquake are the last two men. Like he gets in his face. It's none of your business what would happen. (laughs) Furious. No, it's funny stuff. And I will. I got to tell you, he has been tugboat already at this point. Oh, he has. Okay, I thought that was still to come. Tugboat was pre-Typhoon because Tugboat was introduced. I think when Hogan was maybe shooting No Holds Barred or something. Because that was when they had the, the hotline you could call yeah. to like ask Hulk Hogan to come back. That was all like led by <laughs> Typhoon or whatever. And then, damn, that's a that's kind of a bummer because like the way that this match, way that we'll see later on with the two like the disasters attacking somebody after a match, mm-hmm. um, it felt very much like Typhoon is standing back and like not necessarily into what's happening. And it felt yeah. like there was about to be a split. And I was like, it'd be a really good time for this like you know tugboat thing to happen especially after we just had the joke from earthquake about how fucking long it takes to ride boats anywhere (laughs) no i'm sorry we're actually already done with Uh, tugboat and on our way to the Shockmaster. well not long after this so yeah it's Um, none of your business though what's going to happen when it comes down to us too i love that so much it's like well you're being interviewed what did you think he was going to (laughs) say you know like good god yeah, so they uh, run off, and it's we're not finished with this interview segment because here comes power and glory, Hercules and Paul God. Roma. Of all the people that need a mouthpiece, and who I thought were managed by Slick, I thought. <laughs> well, I they don't want to fly into England, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, so instead we had to we're subjected to a Paul Roma interview, which is <laughs> the last thing anyone ever wants. It's not good. Uh, he says they. Says they can't hide from them. Talking about LOD. Uh, then Hercules also cuts a promo, which I'm like, wow, you guys really? Um, he says they have no limits and there's nothing they won't do. Have we ever heard Hercules speak before? I mean, maybe I like, those, like in those Survivor Series promos. Yeah, maybe there. When like everybody gets to like scream something into the microphone. I feel like he's maybe got to talk in one or two of those, but that's possible. No, Here's not. not because it's so rare, here's a listen to yeah. this uh, this Hercules promo. Paul Roma. You know, that's right, G. You know, they thought they could run from us. They thought they could hide, but they can't hide from us. They traveled all the way to London 
But we're here, aren't we, Power? We've what are we going to do to him? Tell him. To the other side. We have no limits, Legion of Doom. There's nothing we won't do. We've come halfway around the world to do battle with you. In the Royal Albert Hall, this is going to be your downfall. You're going to be beaten, defeating men, laying in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. <laughs> so there you go. It's not that bad, you know, whatever. Uh, Gene then says, and just these weird little Gene jabs that he does from time to time. He's just like, well, if they do fail, it will be a long time before they get another tag team title shot. (laughs) And Paul Roma's like, dude, we're standing here. Still like, what are you talking? And they say they're winners, you know. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's that's great stuff. And then, because that's also when you get the God, it's so amazing. I think Hercules maybe does it, or maybe it's Roma. But he's just like, you know, we're not losers, we're winners. And then he points at his t-shirt and he says, what does that say? And he says, winners. When actually it, it says power and glory. But he... Oh, good. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, he, he resorts to rhymes a little bit there. Um, we go back to break. We come back once again. Mean Gene. I'm like, are we setting a cage up? What is happening right now? Oh, God, I wish. He's got the Legion of Doom. Animal says, you little geeks. You don't think we deserve to be champion. We beat everybody in the WWF. And then Hawk uses the exact same promo as what I'm now knowing is going to be the next UK trip. But at the time, I was like, the last yep. UK trip. Um, yeah. But here is the Legion of Doom promo, including the next one that you'll hear where he reuses the same line. How do you think we got to be world champions? By beating nobody's? We've beaten the best that the World Wrestling Federation has to offer. And we're going to be champions for a long, long time. Right, Hawk? What about it, Hawk? (laughs) Swelling of the fluid sac surrounding the brain. Contusions. Inner bleeding. These are the things that our dreams are made of. Swelling of the fluid sac surrounding the brain, splintered sphincters, bursted bladders, crushed vertebrae, and broken bones. These are the things that our dreams are made of, and our dreams are soon to be your nightmare, Mustafa Dil Bravo. <laughs> There you wow, go. yeah. Didn't even really hide it that well. Just literally <laughs> cut the same promo. Yeah, he says they'll soon be called Sour and Glory, and their mothers won't recognize them. Um, and then Gene, because, God, we have to also ask about the Battle Royal. What about you two being the final two men? And Hawk just simply gives a, oh, what a rush. And then they can't just leave well enough alone. Animal yeah. goes on and says something about being from Chicago and a, and a good gang fight. I don't know. It's... Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, it's why would you not end on the the final line that you would usually end on? Like, whatever. So the fans so, are still milling back in from intermission as we go to match number six. Match number six for the WWF Tag Team Championship. It's Power and Glory, Paul Roma and Hercules taking on the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. I believe you men Herc and Jerk coming out here right. to the ring. Yeah, little Herc and Jerk. As, Glory, or as Gorilla squeezy. calls them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, again, we get long stalling before this tag match would begin. Dude. <sighs> the heels so want stalling. handshakes. Then the Herc has to disrobe Roma. I was just like, there's so much <laughs> downtime here. I was like, Roma denies I, this test of strength for a long time. I do want 
the revival absolutely needs to take off each other's robes. I think that would be, I think that would be a nice touch before their hug yeah. is if they both helped the other one take off their robes. That'd be good stuff. Um, Heenan calls the LOD fighters and gorilla says street fighters, the most dangerous kind. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I, I guess, uh, brain also asks, why does everyone talk funny over here? And gorilla tells him that they think you talk funny brain. That just cracks me up. <laughs> oh, so we get underway here. This test of strength happens. Uh, Roma kicks out of an early pin attempt. Both teams tag. Herc and Animal do the old tough guy run off the ropes and slam shoulders bit. Uh, Hawk, though, right back in with punches for Herc. But Herc with a mean inverted atomic drop. Suddenly, Hawk's right back in control, though. He slams Herc's head into the corner ten times. In comes Glory. Paul Roma, pretty Paul Roma, as Ventura likes to call him. Um, and uh, he just tags in as the heels double team Hawk in the corner. Well, when he was a young stallion, that's when he was pretty Paul Roma. Ah, I think it was him and Jim Powers, I believe, were the young stallions. <laughs> I don't remember, though. Uh, um, I'm not exactly sure where you are. I don't care. Heels um, are Hawk- double teaming him in the corner and Hawk Roma wants and then hits a fucking pile driver on Hawk. Ah, yeah, okay. We I was right where I thought it. you were. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and Hawk, Hawk does the and he's right back up, because that's what he does to pile drivers. Yes. Um, he then press slams and tosses Paul Roma into Hercules. Scoop slam from Hawk. He goes up top but misses a clothesline. LOD roll out and regroup on the floor. It's like, okay, that's unusual. Uh, Her- Hercules would toss Hawk into the guardrail. Roma then rammed the back of Hawk into the ring apron um, eventually he would roll back into the ring and Hercules continued the attack with kicks to the face. He dropped Hawk throat first across the top rope. Hawk is desperate for a tag at this point, crawling towards his corner and he makes the tag. In comes the big animal with shoulder tackles on Roma and a clothesline in the corner animal with a drop kick, which always surprises gorilla and takes out Hercules with that. He hits an awkward power bomb on Paul Roma but Hercules would break up that pin attempt. Roma then hits a slam on Animal and heads to the top rope. Big mistake. Animal would catch Pretty Paul out of midair, hit the power slam. One, two, three. Your winners, the Legion of Doom. Yes. Yeah, the LOD are victorious. The fans fucking love it because they're super over, especially across the pond here in England. Um and yeah, they just do a replay of just the finish. I was like, there was actually some some interesting stuff you could have replayed during this match, but okay, I guess we'll just no, show no this time. power slam. Um, yeah, no, no time. Yeah, and he's. Uh, we then go to Mean Gene once again backstage. This time with the British Bulldog. So you know it's going to be terrible because it's a it's, it's. But I'll 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 give Bulldog credit as far as the promo goes. This isn't the worst he's ever done. Hey Gene, hey Gene, what did I say when we landed? What did I say when we landed? I said I could smell something. I smell victory. That's <laughs> his whole thing. Yep, he's gonna beat the barbarian. He's gonna win the battle royal. So just like everybody pretty, else, he's pretty confident. As yes. we go to match number seven. Yeah, match number seven has a very special ring announcer. As what was the guy's name that? This first in here, Mel something. Uh, Mel Phillips or something. Mel Phillips welcomes Lord Alfred Hayes, and the crowd goes wild. Hayes, uh, he's going to be the guest ring announcer, and he announces that here comes the Barbarian taking on, oh boy, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. 
And the crowd goes nuts for the British Bulldog. But before we get to that, and I don't even have audio of that, but I just want to play audio of this because this is during the Barbarian's entrance, and I love Bobby and, uh, and the gorilla here. I used to manage the Barbarian. I know what he's capable of doing. Took him for every dime he made. Did not. Don't start spreading that. It's all he's got left is those I know. <laughs> no, it's great. And also you have the antler look here from the Barbarian, which I'm a big fan of. Dude, he looks cool like, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he does. They they don't do anything with it, but, you know. Uh, Brain also excuses the crowd reaction when the Bulldog comes out by saying, oh, these are probably all of his relatives. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. So, so yeah, they, they go nuts for the Bulldog's entrance. He's the big hometown boy, and, you know, it's like every show that we do whenever they're in the U.K., with uh, the bulldog on the roster, he gets a big spot. Um, so uh, match gets underway here. I, my first note is a big aloha arm by the barbarian, but bulldog smartly dodges the punch counter. Uh, bulldog then slides through Barbie's legs and arm drags him into an arm bar. In this point, we get huge bulldog chants from the crowd. Oh yeah, they're loving it. Uh, dog works the arm on the mat of the barbarian. Uh, Barbarian would catch him with a big boot. The dog would roll to the floor. Barbarian runs him back first into the steel ring post. He then stretches the dog across the ropes, Seamus style, and delivers forearms to the chest. What did you uh, think of him spitting on his chest and shining it up before he did that? That was really gross to me. <laughs> it was kind of gross. It was also a little bit sensual, I felt like. It, didn't, <laughs> it felt like something like gold dust would do. You know? Yeah, I don't know. a little bit. I could see that. Uh, brain it says he who chants by himself chants alone, which made no sense, but it just cracked me up when he was yeah defending himself. Barbarian with a reverse chin lock on the dog now. Yeah, yeah. The the setup for that was that the crowd's going do 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 bulldog, <laughs> and he goes right. I can chant for, I can chant for the barbarian. And just randomly just screams barbarian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that cracked me up. Yeah. Uh, uh, dog's arm doesn't drop on the third time after the reverse chin lock uh, Barbarian though cuts off his comeback immediately with a kick to the midsection he then hits a pile driver on the bulldog but only manages a two count dude no wonder Vince wanted to get rid of the pile driver these guys were just fucking using it in the middle of fucking matches here <laughs> when I go back and watch this stuff I just want to get on Twitter and like talk about man all these kids out there using pile drivers like their wrist locks because <laughs> You're right. Like everybody just started using pile drivers like it was nothing. And then people would complain about like the DDT. It's like, you kidding? I don't mind everybody doing the DDT, but everybody shouldn't be doing pile drivers for God's sakes. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, after the pile driver bulldog kicks out at two, Barbarian dives from Brett's rope and misses the elbow drop. Bulldog now with a second wind. He clotheslines Barbie to the floor. They do the punch the ring post spot from earlier with the Carrie Von Eric match. And they get back in the ring. Uh, clothesline by the Bulldog. Barbarian kicks out as Gorilla gives Bulldog shit for his nonchalant pin. You're never going to get the win that way. God, Gorilla know. is Gorilla is one of the worst about that. Like He's always like <laughs> Mr. Stickler. About, and it'll be the good guy, bad guy. He doesn't care. It's like, Jesus, Gorilla, give him a pass. I, um, I do like that as his character, he is calling it for both the good guys and the bad guys. But well, that's, that's you're right. Point. It gets annoying after a while. That's true. Uh, Bar- Brain would tell us a story that says the Barbarian was actually hit by a car once. Uh, he then chased the driver down and ripped the tires off of the thing. So he <laughs> gets that in there just before the Bulldog would hit the running power slam for the one, two, three. Your winner, 
the British Bulldog. Oh, yeah. Big standing ovation for the Bulldog after the win. Lots of cheers. Why wouldn't you have done, like, this match first? You know? Like, you know how this place is going to react for the Bulldog. So why do you have it? his matches back-to-back? I'm not 100% sure on that. It is weird. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like, they they could have really gotten two big momentum pushes out of that, you know, if he'd been in the opener mm-hmm. and everybody was excited to see him. And then, you know, again here in the rumble, but whatever. also you would give a guy who's kind of known or not necessarily known, but not known for having the longest of wind to uh, a chance to rest between these two matches. Also true. Yeah. Because that's it. We have to go backstage for one more damn promo <laughs> and it couldn't be with anybody. I pretty much want to hear less from, and that's the nasty boys. <laughs> Oh, man. And of all the promos to cut, this one might be the one that ages the worst from Mr. Jerry Sags, as he tells us just how nasty the Nasty Boys are. Things are going to get real nasty in the Battle Royal, right, boys? That is right, Jimmy. Listen, Gene, when has there been a more tragic event happening in Europe than the Nasty Boys coming to town? Never. Oh, there's been a plague here and there. Some cat named Adolf raised a little hell around here, but never nothing like the Nasties coming to town. Oh, man. And the way that people went after a congresswoman saying some people did some stuff, man. <laughs> a man named Adolf raised a little hell around here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, oh. Yeah. I would expect that kind of talk from the Harris brothers. I didn't expect that from Jerry Sags. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't compare yourself to being worse than the Holocaust happening. Uh, no. It's nothing compared to the nasties coming to town. And Nobbs is awful. Nobbs talks oh. about like. He first off he calls it the Rampage Tour when nothing on the show is mentioned Rampage once until the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he says that they're going to destroy everybody. But I just love that like when he's talking, he's got this like this rocking motion that he's doing cuz he's so excited with the other guys when they're starting that he just he can't stop the rocking motion during his speech <laughs> even though it's right. not helping his pattern of speech. It's it's not good. No, it's not. Not at all. Yeah, God, the Nasty Boys are so bad. Like, it's a good thing <laughs> Brian Nobbs is friends with Hulk Hogan, because otherwise I don't know why these guys worked anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So up next is the main event, the Battle Royal, and yeah, Lord Alfred match- Hayes joining the announced team for the main event as well. Yes, which is awesome. It's match number eight, the Battle Royal for the Samovar Trophy. Sandobar. And it, no, it is a 20-man <laughs> over-the-top rope Battle Royal. Uh, this match consists of everyone you've seen on this show so far <laughs> outside of Roddy Piper, I think, right? Yeah, and we've seen him do a promo, but yeah, he's the only guy that has the night off and also yeah. gets to be in this match. Right. So we'll, you know, we'll tell you their names when they get eliminated, but it's right. 20 people. It's everybody we've already talked about. Well, hell, I guess I'll just do it. Texas Tornado, Typhoon, <laughs> Earthquake. Tito Santana, the Mountie, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, the Barbarian, Big Boss Man, Hercules, Paul Roma, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Brian Nobbs, Jerry Sags, Ric Flair, Hawk Animal, the British Bulldog, the Undertaker, and Rowdy Roddy Piper are your Battle Royal participants. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, the winner receives the Sandalbar Trophy. It's got a spigot on it. I see for the first time this it's point. A tea, it's a tea kettle, damn it. Ah, okay. So that's why, yeah, because Heenan talks shit about Hogan not being at the show or in this match. And mm-hmm. he also at some point talks shit about winning a tea kettle. Um, yeah, Carrie. This is when Carrie kisses a young girl who screams like that blood curdling ah. scream. Yeah, it's it's Carrie Von Erich is walking near the ring because he's gotcha. also just soaking wet with sweat still, even though his match was at, like the beginning of the show. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Brain says it takes a lot of courage to get into the battle royal with a miniskirt on in reference to Roddy <laughs> Piper, which I thought that was funny. Nice. Lord Alfred asks if the ring is specially reinforced to hold all these men. And Gorilla says, yeah, for sure. it's absolutely reinforced. It's like we had to do that. These guys are huge. Yeah. What a tremendous tussle this is, Alfred Hayes would mention as uh, everyone is brawling because it's about a royal. Oh, uh, Jesus, that- yeah. I like the way that it starts, though, with Piper being the last man in. He gets up, mm-hmm. spits at Flair, and just runs at him, and they just start brawling. As like, At least he gives me something to focus on at the beginning of this match instead of just random 20 guys fighting. Yeah, some people break out into their feuds. We get Piper chasing Flair around. They're actually on the outside of the ring. Bossman does the same thing to the Mountie as they're both on the outside of the ring. I, the, my favorite thing about the Bossman and Mountie thing is that we'll see it happen throughout. Like, it's not as focused on as the Flair and, and Piper thing is. But, right. like, a lot of times the Mountie just rolls outside and Bossman's like, well, fuck. And then just, like, turns around and goes after somebody else. Pretty much. <laughs> um, in the ring, Earthquake almost eliminates the Bossman. Hercules is, in fact, eliminated. Kerry Von Eric follows not long after that. Um, Ric Flair and a young Shawn Michaels battle it out along the ropes. Uh, Roddy Piper would send Brian Nobbs to the apron and then to the floor, which was in kind of a funny way. Like, Nobbs is on the apron. He stands up, like, with his back to Piper. And he's, like, tired, you know. And Piper literally just, like, takes a finger and just, like, pokes him off the apron to eliminate him. So. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that, you know, I like any time that guys go make some extra effort to make their elimination more memorable than just, mm-hmm. oh, now yeah. it's my turn to be dumped over. Exactly, yeah. Speaking of being dumped over, Marty is taken <laughs> out by Typhoon. I'm sorry, Marty and Typhoon are both out. Yeah. It's almost one after the other there. Uh, Road Warrior Hawk and The Undertaker are fighting in the middle of the ring. Again, just trying to pull anything other than people forearming here. Santana would send Barbarian to the outside. Yes. I love the little little interaction with Flair chopping Animal and then just gets back down as an animal no-sells the chop. That was fun stuff. Yeah, that's always good Flair. What do you think of Roddy Piper who began biting The Undertaker? (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. It was interesting. Um, Yeah, Tito gets sent out by Earthquake. Did you mention that? Nope, that was the okay. next one. Uh, we then see Piper and Flair start setting it off again. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, Piper sees him again. It's just like, ah, and gets all angry. Runs right. over and starts fighting. Uh, Earthquake helps the real world's champion, though, and holds Roddy Piper for him to punch and chop him. And as this is happening, Hawk gets eliminated. Then Sags is sent out at the same time. Hawk drop kicks him on the floor for no fucking reason. Sean <laughs> then skins the cat, but he gets clotheslined out by the Mountie mid-move. Uh, Mountie then continues to duck out anytime Bossman gets nearby. Uh, Hacksaw gets dumped while playing to the crowd. Hacksaw, though, gets back in with his 2x4. He attacks Earthquake, but Quake is able to hold on. But then Animal kicks him and eliminates him, and Earthquake is gone. Yeah, I hate that stuff. Like, when guys get back into the ring and eliminate yep. people. Yeah. Hey, that's bullshit. Yep, Speaking of bullshit, again. Piper eliminates Ric Flair. Yeah. And then uh, Bossman has Mountie up, but Roman knocks him free for some reason. Piper almost had the Undertaker out of the match. Uh, Roma is, in fact, eliminated, and then Animal is sent out by the Undertaker. And then Roddy Piper would single-handedly dump the Undertaker to the outside. Yeah, in, like, the exact same move he used for Flair. Like, he ducks a punch, does the backdrop, and sends him out. But 
like you said, yeah, more bullshit. Yeah, more bullshit because then the Undertaker just pulls Piper out, and I guess he's out. That yeah. just because yeah, that's God, for some reason it. allowed. Like, there's no there's no room for you know understanding of how the man's feet landed on the floor. It's just land on the floor, you're done. Over the top yeah. rope, land on the floor, it's over. Uh, yeah. So yeah, in the ring, Typhoon and the Mountie versus the Boss Man and the Bulldog. Uh, boss Man uses a Shote to the face of the Mountie, which came out of nowhere. I was like, what was that palm strike yeah. for? He hits the right. big Kevin Nash squisher on the Mountie on the ropes, and then cheap shots Jimmy Hart, but the Mountie low bridges the Boss Man, and it eliminates him as he tumbles to the floor. So now it's Bulldog versus Typhoon and the Mountie, and the fans see what's happening. They start losing it for Bulldog. Uh, the heels try to team up, but Davy Boy counters. They slam into each other. Bulldog with punches and lifts Typhoon in the corner. Alfred's losing his fucking mind, but Mountie hits the low blow. It silences the crowd, and even Bobby Heenan's just like, "Wow, they took the air out of this room." Like, listen to these, yeah. listen to these fans. Uh, but now the Mountie punches Typhoon. Heenan says he's trying to fire up Typhoon. Heels with a double clothesline on Bulldog. And Heenan starts talking about how quiet it is. He says, just wait. Till, if you want to hear quiet, just wait till Davey hits the floor. And Gorilla <laughs> begins giving excuses. Should the Bulldog lose? Well, he was just in a long match before this. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, the dog ducks Typhoon's clothesline and sends Mountie to the floor as he accidentally hit the Mountie. So now it's Bulldog versus Typhoon. Crowds all on their feet. A series of shoulder blocks, no dice. But then Bulldog with a standing drop kick. And Typhoon with a splash in the corner, but Davey ducks it, and the charging Typhoon gets sent to the floor. Your winner, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Yeah, British Bulldog sends the crowd home happy, gets the victory here. I guess I should have mentioned Typhoon was also not in a match before this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he just kind of stood around for a second during one of the promos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, the uh, British Bulldog is your winner, uh, but... An earthquake gets back into the ring and slams the dog in the middle of the ring. Dog, though, avoids a splash on the mat and rolls to the outside. And who makes the save? None other than Andre the Giant himself. Dude, this blew my mind. I didn't know anything about this going into this show. I didn't know that this was going to be happening. So when they went to the floor, I was like, why are they going to the floor to do this like at post-match beatdown? And then as soon as I saw this, oh, that's why they have to go to the floor because he can't get into the ring. But yeah, Andre, his cane and all, just recovered from a knee operation, we're told. He comes down, hits the double noggin knocker on the disasters, and it's just amazing how like gigantic the disasters already are and how they don't look big when you stand Andre next to them. Because it just looks like three guys. Um, but yeah, he you know hits it. They run off the disasters. Davy Boy and Andre shake hands. And the Bulldog gets announced as the winner once again. A good feel-good ending to a show that I really was not very high on. But I, I do really kind of enjoy the way that this, uh, this Battle Royal plays out with the Piper and Flair stuff. And then, you know, giving Bulldog the win for the crowd. It makes it a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the Battle Royal is, you know, pretty... Easy to watch, a good match as far as that goes, you know. G- good battle royal as far as battle royals go. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh. Great to see the bulldog get the win, and and he picks up the sandalbar trophy and out falls a piece of it as he lifts yep. it high, um, yep. and then he grabs the flag and waves it around. The fans are cheering, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> Nothing better than a good old trophy that falls apart. Those are always great oh, yeah. moments. Yeah, trophies and flags that fall apart are fantastic. <laughs> um, wasn't that the was that the bowling trophy or something like some PBA like 
you know, <laughs> national championship, and they hand the guy the trophy, and like half of it just falls off onto the floor. <laughs> I think so. Uh, so yeah, overall, my thoughts on this were that it's kind of an easy skip. Like this isn't something that I would say you got to go out of your way and see. If you want right. to see a cool arena, maybe that's kind of cool. You want to see the Undertaker make a cool entrance and then have sure. a terrible match. Um, or if you're just really got a hard on for battle royals, this isn't a bad battle royal, and it's something yeah. that you could entertain yourself. Like if you just went and watched the main event, you'd be all right here. Yeah, well, and it's a show though that has a lot of, I think, a significance historically to fans in the UK. You know that I'm sure remember fondly this VHS tape, and you know, yeah. It was a show for them, you know, I'm sure. So it you know, probably has some historical relevance there. But yeah, like you said, like most things from 1991, 1990, I mean, really, it, it doesn't age wonderfully, you know. I mean, especially if you are a fan of the style of today's wrestling, this might yeah. not necessarily be your favorite thing. But, you know, I'm a big fan of this era, and it's fun kind of watching all this silliness. And, you know, the promos were a lot of fun, and, uh, they, you know, all the over-the-top characters – and, you know, a few of the matches uh, weren't too bad. So, <laughs> so you know, we usually do a second opinion segment here. Dave Meltzer, of course, couldn't lower himself enough to review Coliseum home videos uh, back in the day. It's, so It's a pay-per-view. We don't have star ratings. For, he didn't do the other UK Rampage show we had either. I know. Uh, I know. But I managed to find I, a website of someone who did review the show with some star ratings attached. So today, Tony, we're going to compare your ratings with Scrooge McSuck of TheWrestlingSite.com. And no, I didn't Great. do a background check or look at their website, so they might be great people. They might be Nazis. Either way, uh, they had some star ratings, so this is what we're comparing to Tony's star ratings for this show. Tony, match number one. We've got the Rockers versus the Nasties in a tag team match. What say you? I gave this match half a star. It, you know, when it was going, it was pretty good, but it just stopped it for long periods of time. So. Yeah. It stopped right at the beginning for a long time. And then, oh yeah, that too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you gave it 0.5. Okay. He gave it 1.5. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the higher rated matches, I would say probably, uh, for if I was going to be oh, rating yeah. it, um, Santana versus flair, Tony. Um, I actually enjoyed this match quite a bit. You know, it was certainly, you know, maybe it was a little bit long, but I enjoy, I liked the action and these two are, you know, worked pretty well together. I gave this two and three quarter stars. Ah, two and three quarters. You're very close to Mr. McSuck. He gave this three stars, saying overall a pretty good wrestling match. Nothing terribly exciting went down. It was just two guys having a good match. Not a dull match, but it's not going to make anybody's highlight reel. No. That's fair. No, it's not. Yeah. Now we have the infamous Boss Man versus Earthquake, Tony. What do you like? What do you think? I gave this match a quarter star. That's... That's fair, and it's also very close to Mr. McSuck, as he has it at a dud, saying this match sucked on so many levels, I won't bother even going into much detail. (laughs) All right. Tornado versus the Mountie. I gave this match half a star. Just, for whatever reason, just never... Now... There's never, never really much going on here. This is the specific match that when I texted you something about this fucking... Like, I said something about versus the fucking Mountie... And yeah. I got a text back that you were possibly quite enjoying the show much more than I was. Uh, yeah. Now, was that necessarily in regards to that match, or was it just in re- overall the show? No, it was just overall the show. Okay, because I, I was like, expecting I you to like love this match for some reason. I didn't have like a rage quit <laughs> moment. And, okay. uh Well, no, I, I did really. I loved the Mountie stuff. I did, the match itself, though, was just very 
nothing, you know, just really nothing. So what was the star rating you gave it? I gave this match half a star. Half a star. Okay. Uh, Mick Suck really hated this match. Minus three stars. And here's his little tidbit here. Without going into a paragraph long rant, this match fucking sucked. Plain and simple. Giving this a dud would be the most generous rating I've ever given, but I won't because I'm not a nice guy. Minus three. It was that fucking bad. Oh, he's one of those types. Those are the people. I I block them immediately on social media. The kind of guys that, are, that in their profile, they say, I'm an asshole or I'm a heel. I'm a, uh, I'm, don't come here looking I mean, for n- nice, positive comments. Like, yeah, that's great. You take pride in being a jerk. That's something he, to really promote. He did name himself Mick Suck. Um, yeah, yeah. So Duggan versus The Undertaker, Tony. Uh, what did he give it? Because I'm going to give it five stars in comparison to his <laughs> shitty review of it. I gave this I gave this match no stars. He gave it point seven five. Okay. He said at least this they kept nothing. it short. This was nothing. Yeah. Undertaker cho- comes to the ring. He chokes him a little bit. Duggan gets his two by four, and that's the match. <laughs> okay, yeah, anyway. you're not wrong. Uh, the tag team championship of the world, Tony. It was on the line. What did you think? You know, it wasn't too bad. You know, it's a Road Warriors match, and uh, I gave it one and three-quarter stars. Very close to Mr. McSuck. He gave it 1.5, saying exactly the same. Nothing really bad went down, but it wasn't that good either. Uh, mm-hmm. Bulldog versus Barbarian. Um, I actually enjoyed this match quite a bit. You know, two big guys going at it here. A pretty solid match. I gave it two stars. Two stars? All right. Uh, in a... A review that's probably going to upset you even more than that last uh, segment that I read. Uh, he gave it 0. Uh-huh. 0.5, saying, Don't ask how I came up with the rating. I just randomly picked a fraction of a star and stuck it on here for good measure. We're nearing the end of the show, thank God, and I don't think anything can save this event from the toilet bowl. Wow, isn't he just a ray of sunshine? <laughs> Battle Royal, Tony, what'd you think? I liked it. I gave it two and a half stars. I'm a fan of Battle Royals, and this was a good one. I thought so too. I was. I'm right there with you on this. Uh, McSuck is on the other end. No rating. I hate rating battle royals because they all suck ass. With the rare case of a good one happening once a decade, so it's obvious this one wasn't very good. Wow. He so. should really find a. He should really find a different hobby if he hates <laughs> wrestling that much. So I just never. I've never understood the people that like hate watch things and just yeah. tell you how much they hated everything and how it all sucked. It's like, I mean, we've done that every once in a while, but yeah, <laughs> no, we would never just completely come right out and just say something was just all around awful. We usually try to find a few highlights True. and a few True. positives. And cause like, there's just the people out there that review shows like that. They just go into it. All right. I hate this. Here we go. <laughs> Why is it that I hate this? Like, what? Well, then just, then maybe you should watch sci-fi movies and review those, or maybe you should yeah. get into like monster trucks and you can, you know, <laughs> start reviewing monster truck well, jams. Like I just never understand some of that. I would never review something that I hated. And there's just people out there that it's like, it kind of sounds like you hate wrestling. Yeah. Like if you hate wrestling, then just don't watch it anymore. You know, like while, while the guys at the wrestling site specifically Scrooge McSuck here uh, were very negative about this show. The inmates at cagematch.net, the IMDb of professional wrestling, currently see it much differently, ranking this show as a 6.33 out of 10 with only 8 votes. 
Um, here's our first review. It's translated from German, but this guy gave some star ratings, so I thought I'd compare it to Mr. McSucks, because this okay. guy is over the moon on this show. He gave this oh, a wow. seven. It's Eddie, and this is translated from German. He said, at the beginning, I have to say okay. the fans in the hall were great for wrestling. The fans cheer the faces, even though they have to wait a long time for their darlings to win for the first time. This is then cheered all the more. Great opener with simple and beautiful story. Horny heel face distribution and simple, beautiful beginning. Seven out of ten for the first match. Um, yeah. Flair and Santana with grandiose old school match, dirtiest player versus crowd favorite, and that beautiful drama towards the end. Eight out of ten, so a four out of five. Uh, mm. Earthquake versus Boss Man, a solid heavyweight wrestling of the old days, but would have been even better at half the time. Six out of ten. Jesus. <laughs> uh, the Mountie wow. against Tornado, solid standard food. Five out of ten. Taker versus Duggan is a two-dove match. Just Taker's hand only against the throat of Duggan. Three out of ten. So at least he understood that one was bad. Uh, Tag title match is absolutely fine, but very torn. Six out of ten. He gave the... uh, the the bulldog match seven out of ten and then a seven out of ten to the main event as well and he said overall seven points for the show now see that would probably be a little bit too far on the other side of things or at least he was <laughs> nice about it yes i'd probably give this show a solid four i yeah i'm right there with you our last review here is from mizzle assault ant and this one is actually in english originally it was wrote on the 6th of february of 2018 uh he gave it an eight and said, he had a lot of fun with this show, exclamation point. Flair Santana was definitely the best match. An awesome bout. And Boss Man versus Earthquake was close behind. Another great one. The only match I really didn't like was Taker Duggan, and as I can usually can't stand Duggan. The main event Battle Royal was good. Wouldn't say f- great, but a fine Battle Royal with a satisfying winner. Love the venue too, exclamation point. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> So, yeah, so there are some people that really enjoyed this. There's some people that really hated this. Um, I was kind of in the middle on that as far as, like, I don't, like, hate it as in it's offensive to me being here. I'm not necessarily right. saying that, like, these are the worst men on earth for doing this or anything like that. Uh, right. But this is a show that if I paid pay-per-view money for it, I'd be really disappointed that I paid pay-per-view money for it. No, and you're not wrong. And, again, and with twenty, <laughs> especially with 2019's eyes, yes, you know, this certainly isn't. Uh, you know, the same kind of fast paced action you might see nowadays. And so it's understandable that you'd feel that way. But I mean, again, I think in 1991, especially if you were in the UK and you had the opportunity to, you know, watch this show live, something that you so rarely got a chance to do. Yeah. Uh, I can certainly see why you would have fond memories of it. And uh, like I said, I'm a fan of any and every, you know, era. There's something I could find in it. And there's certainly. You know, you got to love the promos, the over-the-top characters, and mm-hmm. it's fun to, fun to look back on that, you know, something we certainly don't get anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. So those are our thoughts on the Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall from 1991, October of 1991. But, Tony, as always, our show continues on, and we are hitting the new year in stride this yeah. year. Of course, coming up very shortly is going to be Wrestle Kingdom, the first ever two-night Wrestle Kingdom. So that's going to be a whole lot to to digest and to try to to watch. And, you know, I'm a fan of New Japan. You're a fan of the big shows as well. So we definitely wanted to talk about it. But in order to put off time and give us time to really fully digest it, we're going to take a shorter New Japan show next week. Yeah, next week we're going to watch New Year's Dash from 2016. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't. Are we watching both nights? Because now you're talking crazy talk. Like you had made it out like we were talking, watching both nights when you were talking earlier about this show. And we were determining what we were going to watch next week. So I just assumed that was the case. 
I guess it's because I kind of forgot that that was, that was even still a thing. Like, that is, those are both going to be like six hour long. No, no, shows. no. They said they were specifically going to keep them shorter this time because oh, there's okay. two nights. Like, I think they're talking like three at three and a half for each night. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that's 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 a little better. But our show that we're watching from 2016, New Year's Dash, a very famous show for a lot of reasons as kind of a, the send-off for a few guys, the arise of a few guys as well. We've got Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson about to leave the company, yep. as well as AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, so in this show, we've got Shinsuke Nakamura teaming up with Yoshihashi uh, against his chaos stablemate, against Kenny Omega and AJ Styles of the Bullet Club in a match that one i'm looking forward to we also have the main event which is probably going to be really dang good it's never open weight six-man tag team title match of the briscoes and toro yano versus bad luck fale and the young bucks matt and nick jackson of the bullet club and then on like the undercard we've got things like jay lethal with truth martini versus juice robinson and matt seidel and ricochet teaming up to beat david finley and jay white well all right then that sounds like a lot of good stuff Yes, an 80-minute show if you just add up the time of wrestling. And, of course, New Japan, not a lot in between that. So probably a little bit over 80 minutes as far as the total. So, yeah, look forward to it. Look forward to joining all of you as the uh, calendar rolls over to 2020. And we'll uh, bring in the new year with two straight weeks of New Japan wrestling fun. As uh, We'll do New Year's Dash 2016 and then... We will bring you a full review of both <laughs> nights, apparently, of Wrestle Kingdom 14. And we'll, we'll maybe, be sh- an, maybe sh- an AEW title match Ooh, in, as Possibly, well. possibly coming up. But yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll probably be shortening the uh, events of each match quite a bit and just talking more about our feelings of things a little bit sure. more when it comes to that show. But I'm very excited because it's a great time of year if you're a wrestling fan, especially if you enjoy New Japan. And if you don't have, if you haven't given New Japan a chance, it's a good time to do so right at the top of the month. Make sure to wait till after the first, although I'm sure by the time this releases, well, you'll probably have a few hours before that happens. Just don't sure. buy it on the 31st because you'll get charged twice within two days. So, <laughs> yeah. Just a heads up there. But yeah, you can check this out on New Japan World. I believe it does have English commentary with Kevin Kelly, so I'm very much enjoying that and looking forward to New Year's Dash 2016 next week and then, of course, Wrestle Kingdom 14. But until then, the best place to keep up with us is either on Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, you can find us at GrappleCast. On Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast, Golden Age of Grappling. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for the New Japan Pro Wrestling New Year's Dash of 2016. You want to talk some current wrestling, dude? Yeah, let's just get into it while we're talking about it. And Yes. I was going to say, I feel like the holiday fucked me this week because mm. Christmas was there and I didn't want to, you know, watch anything on Christmas Day. So I was like, well, I'll put it off for a day. But then the next day, it's <laughs> it's the day after Christmas and I'm kind of over right. Christmas. And so when I started NXT and it was very Christmassy themed, I was just like, yeah. ah, I don't want to watch this. So I never got into it. I got five minutes in and it stopped. I am done. I'm watching Raw right now and they have snowflakes on their Titantron. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not watching any more of this. The Christmas is over. Uh, I think no, I just out Christmas myself this year. We started off early with that fucking early December review that had a bunch of Christmas in it. And then right. fucking work was just all kinds of Christmas stuff. And then all of a sudden we have two Christmas right. specials. Like we, I've, I've done a lot of the holidays. I'm, I'm, I'm over it.
Right. Well, we'll we'll hit the high spots. I'll <laughs> give you I'll give you the Christmas time All highlights. Right. NXT or AEW wasn't even on, so you got that going for you. Yeah. You didn't miss that. So yeah, Brian um, Alvarez broke the internet with his tweet. Who? What now? Did oh yes, that? of course. Yes, <laughs> the eight thirty eight hundred thirty one thousand yeah. to zero. Yeah. Come on, like people, come on. I like, just he, think it's hilarious not, how he's, like he's oh, not even trying with that one. No, like it's so you're easy. making his you're making his job so easy. <laughs> It's just amazing how people like reacted so over the top on it. I was, I was like, oh, oh that's a clever tweet. And then I just kind of moved on. But then all of a sudden I started seeing it everywhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there was that. And I guess while we're talking about AEW, they didn't have a show, but there was big news today, DP. Oh, Arn yes? freaking Anderson oh, yeah. <laughs> is, all, is all elite and apparently is going to be like managing Cody Rhodes. Like that was Cody's yeah. big the big tease he had about his change for 2020. And yeah, so he's in, he's in, you know, bringing the enforcer on. <laughs> I was cue, the hope- gif, cue, cue the gif of Arn turning on Dustin Rhodes in WCW in 1995 or whatever it is when he yeah. joined the, stu- when he joined the stud stable and DDT <laughs> Dustin Rhodes. So not a good yeah. history with the Rhodes family is all I'll say about this. I mean, that I'm, I'm down for whatever they want to do as far as like manager storylines, uh, right. You know, from here on out with those those guys, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just when I thought when they you know he was making the big announcement about a change in the way that I like am see, it, I don't know. Just it was like his approach to the ring or like what I can't yeah, remember the word right. he used. But it was just I was thinking like oh maybe it'll be like a shortened version of the entrance to use for not big shows where like we don't have to like sit around for 30 seconds before he even gets on the stage and the music kicks in. You know, right? So I don't know. I'm looking forward to the. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson tag team match against Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard. That'll be, <laughs> or maybe even a possible Brainbusters reunion at some point down the line. Oh man, that would be shocking. Yeah, is Cody Rhodes forming the Four Horsemen? Nah, I don't know. What do you mean? I mean, is he putting together a Four Horsemen? There's been, you know, well, you wouldn't go get Arn to make a Could Four he... Horsemen, though. I mean. What's that? I said you wouldn't go get Arn to make a Four Horsemen, though. Well, I mean, he's the enforcer of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> he used to be, but I mean, I'm just saying. Time like, as the, I'm just saying, Arn in like a JJ Dillon role, oh, like okay. manager, yeah, wise, I see and that. then Cody putting together. I don't know, and I, they probably also couldn't use the name. I'm sure WWE owns it somehow. Yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know. They'll have to do like three or a five, some of some sort, instead of using four. Like they'll be like, you're not allowed to just do any fours. Or any like, hand motions of four. Those are all right. copyrighted by the WWE. <laughs> yes. Don't ever think about it. Um, just some random other things here before I just briefly talk to tell you about the shows. Um, yeah. Riddick Moss. Yes, Riddick Moss. Everyone's favorite uh, PC permanent vacation <laughs> guy there, along with Angelo Dawkins, who we were talking about earlier. Um, but he tweeted... Um, or he changed his headline and his like Twitter information uh-huh. to say Riddick Moss... Has an ind- is it has independently co- is an imp- independent contractor signed exclusively to NXT free agent class of 2020. So, what does that mean? Haha. Well, aren't you clever? Like, you know, poking at the independent contractor label while yet it signed exclusively to have to oh, work yeah, for NXT, yeah, yeah. Okay. and then mentioning that he'd be a free agent in 2020. Uh, oh, okay, that, that's cool, man. Like, you know. You just burned a bridge, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't know that the independent scene is thirsty for Riddick Moss. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know. You just think about, like, you think about those guys that fall through the cracks, and it's like, 
Sometimes when you are signed so early and you're basically like molded from their clay, like the yeah. performance center, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying like I don't really know how he would handle the independent scene. I mean, I don't know that we would have not had this exact same conversation about Juice as soon as he left as well, yeah. though. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. I mean, I think Juice, yeah. He might be the exception. No, you're not wrong. But right. still, like, no, you know, he, he does yeah. kind of, anytime that I start to think about those guys that I definitely second-guessed, uh, right. for a while and then all of a sudden they proved me wrong that's that's he's the first one that comes to mind so yeah i mean that's the thing too i mean is, is riddick moss he's got a great look you know is that the kind of guy that japan would take a look at i mean I, you'd imagine maybe somebody yeah, in japan know. would i mean but the thing is is like juice had not much but a little bit more like street <laughs> cred from his nxt time than i'd say riddick moss did you know i mean riddick moss's yeah. tv appearances were pretty brief he was most recently i remember him tagging with that tino sabatelli guy we know where they were both in a tag team where they're really good looking and okay. that, didn't go, that didn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting though. These guys though, with this Twitter stuff, I'm telling you, you don't, I just wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just wouldn't burn that bridge. I mean, you're already not all that important, so don't make it any worse. <laughs> Um, were you as mad as the rest of the world, DP, that AEW had the nerve to change the Chris Statlander title match for the show in Jacksonville and <laughs> turned it into a fatal four-way there with was... Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Hikaru Shida. So, so was there people that were legitimately upset about this? Because all I saw was yes. the apology from the company saying, like, right. why they decided to do it. Oh. I didn't see the, like, backlash. I missed that part. See, see, I follow just the right people, like the Melters and a few others, that everyone, like, sends their anger at, and so I see the replies to it is how I think okay. I see so much of this stuff sometimes. Because people were just like, if WWE did this, Melter, you'd be killing them, blah, blah, blah. This is not, <laughs> this is unacceptable. This is a sign that this company, you know, like just people being ridiculous about it. And it's like, here's the thing. Statlander is fighting for the title the next week on television. Like, yeah. it's okay, everybody. It was just, <laughs> it's, it just, it shows that if, if people can get mad about something, they will. Yeah. No matter what it is. Well, when you were talking about like this proves that this company, like it's just, there's there's that line of fans that are just out to be the first person that called the downfall, and it's just like exactly. I don't understand yeah. the motive behind that. Like, okay, so here's an example from outside of wrestling. Just this weekend, the Ohio State team blew their game and lost in this football game or whatever. Yeah, they overcame a whole lot, and there was a lot of bullshit that took place as well. But at the end of it, you know, they made a mistake. So, anyways, I go into the 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 subreddit and I'm reading about the comments, whatever. And some dude links to his comment from an hour earlier, saying, "Well, now the game's over. We lost. There's no way we're winning." And I was just like, "Take your fucking victory lap, dickhead! Like, what the fuck is wrong with you?" Oh uh, man, no, that's perfect. That is also a perfect transition. Nice little segue into another topic. Okay, DP, have you managed to avoid the Jordan Oliver Blake Christian? rage on the interwebs i think so because neither wow. of those names are, are ringing a bell about you why are, i would know them so, so gcw had a match and two young men um oh, Jordan wait, Oliver is this the one that Blake. that cornette apologized yes. for his take today because that's the only reason i saw i saw cornette apologizing for what he said he apologized yeah because that's he said he had watched it without the sound on and when you turn the sound on it changes the context well, but then that was preceded by 
someone saying, oh, well, if you're on good terms with GCW, you should sign up. They should hire you. And he was like, oh, I'd I fucking never that. work for them. And then, then he went uh, off on him again. So Okay. Yeah, I saw that part. It's funny. Like, I saw that one. I was like, God, why would they even make that suggestion? Like, you people don't have to poke the bear. Um, okay, well, whatever. I mean, Go that's... Ahead, though. Ha- so what, what happened in this video? Because I didn't actually see it. I just saw the Cornette's tweets. I was it was busy. one of those... Listen, I'm giving it 100 times too much credit here, but this is just to make the comparison for you. It was okay. Osprey Ricochet from a few oh, years okay. ago. They did about a minute's worth of just encountering and all that stuff. Counter, back and forth and kicks and miss kicks. You know, and uh, it is what it is. If I'm being completely honest, it, you know, I could see where it's going to cause the rage in those certain wrestling fans because it yeah. wasn't perfect. God forbid it wasn't perfect because like I said, it wasn't <laughs> Osprey Ricochet. It was yeah. two young kids trying something out and working on something mm-hmm. and it you know it was also impressive though at the same time you know what i mean like the thought and the effort was certainly impressive and nice. like many level-headed vets and people with re- you know influence have been saying is you know it's the kind of thing that they'll learn from you know speedball mike bailey and eric stevens mm-hmm. and some people like that have been like posting about how you know yeah this isn't maybe your cup of tea but this is how these guys will get better you know and yeah in a few in a few years just imagine what they'll be capable of. You it's know? it's kind of like with the the stand up world where you know back in the day you know you could get you could learn without being seen and then now yeah. it's like every company's putting their shit on the online. You can't you yep. don't get those like unseen chances to just really fuck up out there and and learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. So you know it is what it was, and of course, but the worst part about it is it had you know the cornetters. Yeah. Just had to go and run to Jim. <laughs> King Jim, King Jim, we found this video online. You know, like it's amazing how much they feed that monster. Like that is the the, the cult of Cornette is just it's such right. a, a self sustaining engine yeah. of just outrage and hate. And it is amazing because yeah. I've noticed recently just the amount of like you can tell when you get get into a thread and there's a large number of Cornette cult people. Because all yep. of a sudden, like the votes start getting weird, and like yep. things that don't really make a hundred percent sense, but if you t- take them in the certain context that they want you to take them in, it will. Like it's just yep. a lot of like weird references to old cornet jokes and like stories and yep. and controversy, and it just drives me fucking nuts. Yeah, I can always tell when I've stepped into one of those nests because my I get into the replies on a post, and they all just say this person is you've blocked them. Like I can't read anything. Like. I- <laughs> funny sometimes like it's like a yeah. mad lib like my replies <laughs> with, with like that in there because i'll see like good people like commenting to something like mm-hmm. you know it was probably terrible and, and you know i can kind of guess i play i guess i see what what they said and, I, you know. with with the twitter mute like with that you should be able to like click on it and just see it right then like it doesn't show yeah. up in your feed but if i you know if i see a reply and i want to see what the context was i should be able to just click on it and uh, see it uh, I'll give Twitter a little bit of credit. They go out of their way. Like, you know, when I click on a profile and it's like, hey, you blocked this person. Like, there's one more, like, okay. you sure you, and then you can click view tweets and then you can look at whatever they Oh, so you saying. don't have to unblock them to view it? No. Oh, I thought you no. had to do that. Okay, never mind then. That's, they've, they've got to figure it out. <laughs> so, um, Axis is done with New Japan. Big deal? Small deal? No deal? What do you think? Um, I don't know. That's, that's interesting because imagine, I don't know what the ratings were on Axis, but. Right. It may be impact inspired as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes like sense. Like what impact? What everyone like kind of hoped impact wouldn't do, and they, I think they maybe even have kind of halfway said they wouldn't was run all the other wrestling off yep. of Axis. Yeah, but yet, but you have to be concerned. Anthem owns Impact. 
Anthem gives a shit about impact. Hey, there's too much wrestling on this channel. You know, let's get yeah. this focus. Let's get the focus on us. So I'm not saying that's what happened. That no one else has either that I've seen. Well, but. it makes sense for that to have happened, but right. it, you know, I don't like, I don't, it's, it's shitty, but it makes sense business wise for the company that owns the wrestling company. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous slope. It's a slippery slope, you know, like, but for new Japan, I'm just worried that like they could, I mean, they've got their online presence and that seems to be what really drives everything. But I don't, you know, maybe they were getting a decent number of new viewers through television that were learning about these characters that way. I don't know if that was the case or not. I'd love to know like what new Japan knows about those kinds of things. Like if they right. if they've done any sort of studies or, or anything like that, or if it's just been one of those things where they some company paid them to give them the content, so they gave them the content and they didn't think about it after that. Right, exactly. So we'll see with this new Japan America thing. Yeah, also, that's where I'm thinking. Like, where's this next? Co- they ne- almost need a television then if they're going to have all this America stuff going on and trying to well, sell tickets and, here. And maybe that's part of the thinking too. Maybe they're looking to partner with somebody else, and you know. Also, with all the, a- the WWE all the a- network, all the AEW rumors are out there. So, what's that AEW rumors? Oh yeah, because I yeah. heard about the Ta- Tanahashi thing. Yeah, like the working relationship kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. They'll land somewhere. Well, maybe I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> they don't. Need it. Um, and then just quickly here. So on Raw DP, the big storyline was Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins feud continues. Uh, Owens beat Mojo Raleigh in what was actually an oddly entertaining match with tables and chairs and stuff. Uh, Owens then asked Rollins AOP to come beat him up. Like he just literally got on the mic was like, just come out here and beat me up. And they literally then walked to the ring and they beat Kevin Owens up. And that was <laughs> the end of the segment. So, uh, but you know, that stuff continues to be good. We had a 24 seven, you know, running gag throughout the show with Akira Tozawa and the truth uh, out on the streets. Santa Claus was involved. It was silliness, you know, whatever. Nice. Um, Becky cut a promo. She's on this big kick now, calling herself the face of the company, the face of wrestling. Uh, crowd was kind of meh on it. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was what Becky was up to. Okay. Um, Charlotte beat a debuting Chelsea Green. So it's kind of cool to see her on Raw. Oh, I don't damn. know why they're doing this, but she was there and she you know looked good and held her own. But I'm pretty sure she's still going to go through NXT. But hey, we'll wait and see. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. Um, and then the kind of the uh, in cap to the Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens stuff. Uh, Rey Mysterio beat Seth by DQ in a U.S. title match. AOP attacked during the match, of course. They dragged Rey to the announce table area where he was incapacitated. They, were gonna, they wanted to put him through the table. Well, Samoa Joe, who's been doing commentary, didn't move when everybody else did. And he sat at the table <laughs> and looked at AOP, and it was badass, and the crowd was really into it. And Joe, he still has his headset on. He's like, if I stand up, I'm kicking both your asses. And, <laughs> and of course, like they still just were like, get up. So he slowly took his headset off, stood up, and held his own against AOP for a minute. Um, Rollins would eventually call them off and told Joe that their problems weren't with him, you know, and they don't need to do this. And then, like, in a total, like, it was directed pretty well, too. Seth, like, gets done telling him, like, don't, you know, it's done. And then he turns around and walks back between AOP like away from Joe mm-hmm. and he just mouths get him to both of them and then they just both <laughs> go right after Joe they put him through the announce table whatever you know good stuff there that is good stuff um, and then just an update since we're recording this on Monday I did see already a little bit at the beginning of Raw and it looks like Owens and Joe are maybe going to have a tag team match to kind of follow up on things Joe okay. uh, came out to a huge 
huge ovation. I say that nobody gets attitude pops, but it was good. Kevin Owens <laughs> is getting his ass kicked in the ring. Joe's music hit came out in gear, you know, like he's obviously healthy again and nice. placement nuts was chanting Joe. And so that stuff's been good on raw. Um, NXT this week was kind of just a mishmash like holiday show, yeah. but the match, the content was cool. And there were two things I wanted to touch on just because they're, uh, you know, I think pretty cool. North American title match. Roderick Strong fought Austin Theory, the man who had been the Evolve champion for the better part of the last year. Uh, 22 years old. Just, you know, sky's the limit as far as, you know, Austin Theory goes, in my opinion. And this match, I mean, 20, I know, and Roderick Strong could have a match with a broomstick. I mean, I know that is absolutely yeah. the case. But again, 22 years old, debut on television and had about a 30 minute match with Roderick Strong for the North American title. And it was. Damn good stuff. So nice. I heard a lot of good stuff. I saw a lot of you know mentions about Austin Theory and mm-hmm. people talking about like, oh shit, who's this guy? This sort of a thing. Yeah. So somebody that we had not we had the opportunity to see when we went to the Evolve show in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. Although he fought Spider Nate Webb that night, which was kind of strange. But anyway, <laughs> um, they did this weird thing where like they taped some matches after SmackDown and they had full sale matches. I kind of hated it. Um, yeah. yeah. So they did that. It was. Didn't matter a whole lot. Arturo Ruas, another guy we saw at the Evolve show. He's been a part of that company for a while. He's kind of got the MMA gimmick. Had a, mm-hmm. They had a vignette for him. He has many black belts, and he's coming soon. Okay. So, so is, is that just the – wait, is that NXT now? We're in NXT world? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that was Raw. I was like, so is this just the thing now? We're just skipping by NXT from Evolve, like right to Raw now? Oh, no, no, not quite that. That hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Um, and then the other no- big notable debut, Shotzi Blackheart made her NXT TV debut. Nice. Uh, lost and a really good match with Bianca Belair. You know what I mean? It wasn't a squash by any means. They certainly, you know, made it known that this is someone that's, you know, going to be a player. It's not like it's just okay, cool. so much for her to be. Uh, and she just has such a great, unique look, man. Like, she is just one of those people that I don't think it'll take long for her to, you know, endear herself with the crowd you know yeah. especially there at full sale and then you know she just has who such an, an overwhelming personality and charisma to her that i think she's got real star potential she totally does yeah like seeing her live she was really good a lot of fun mm-hmm. to, to to watch um for for you like who are some examples of like girls that in nxt they haven't you know made them out to be contenders like <laughs> well well you're 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 halfway joking, I think, about that probably because everyone at one point or another has been a contender at this point, unfortunately, yeah. because of the the Shayna Baszler reign kind of uh, yeah. made that a thing. No, yeah, they don't have a lot of, like, hidden gems. I mean, they do, but, I mean, you know, it's like just about everybody that's on TV is almost at a title shot at this point. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's good and bad. I would imagine there's going to be some major call-ups, especially on the women's side from mm-hmm. NXT. Definitely. I would expect, like, I would expect, like, Candice LeRae, uh, Shayna Baszler. Well, Baszler might be in the Rumble, if I, you know, the Women's Rumble. If I had to I guess, I just wonder if uh, they bring Candice LeRae up when if they're keeping Gargano down there. Well, the thing about Candice is that she is so damn good, and yeah. the best thing that she has going for her, the Baileys of the world and people like that adore her. You know what I mean? Like okay. that's their that's their favorite wrestler. You know, <laughs> Bailey is someone who often will tweet. She recently tweeted about bring Candice LeRae to SmackDown. You know, like nice. they just. She so she has that going for her as well, and I just if they're not going to push her to the moon on NXT, then just put her on TV. And even if she's not the top girl, you know, the top woman, yeah. it would still just be nice for her to be on, you know, the main show. That so. makes sense. 
but uh, yeah, so that so good for Shanti Blackheart. Um, the SmackDown side of things, to wrap things up, like I said, there's no AEW. Um, the running theme throughout the show was you know Daniel Bryan, The Miz, and Baron Corbin to see who will fight the Fiend at the Royal Rumble. Seems like a weird thing to like fight for, but it's kind of yeah. what you got to do when you put the belt on the monster. Um, yeah, Corbin came out, cut a promo. Reigns beat him up, so he was so the match didn't happen. Now and we moved on. <laughs> Uh, Braun Strowman danced the New Day. Another thing the internet, of course, lost its mind about. So Listen, I hate it too. It's funny. I think I was listening to like our second holiday review, and I was talking about them like fucking up Braun Strowman and having him do silly shit like this. And oh, I was, that was like that fucking like cello or whatever. Yeah, I, wrote, I think that was like two years ago. So <laughs> look, whatever. I'm just at ease with it now. Like they've already obviously decided that he is not going to be a big, you know, major player. Like he's yeah, going to be fun and he's going to shake his hips with the new day. So <laughs> another victim of the new day and they're dancing. Um, yeah. Uh, here's something Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler are going to have a match during the new year's Eve countdown show on Fox. Yeah, I saw that. And is it like, are they having it like in times square or is it? I think so. Yeah. It seemed like it was going to be like a part of the festivities, like not something that they just taped, you know, like outside or is it like in the Fox news studios? I have no idea. They were short on de- they were short on details. Like I didn't even say what time it was happening. <laughs> I just imagine like mid mid fucking like ten nine. All of a sudden, Roman's yeah. music just hits, and like they're just like, we're just gonna take over at this end of the building. You guys can do whatever you want down there. <laughs> right. Uh, so they tried to have Brian versus the Miz. He would fight the Fiend, and Corbin's goons broke that up, and he ended up weaseling his way back into a triple threat. Which is will be our main event. So, the ongoing saga of this match will it or won't it happen? <laughs> um, it eventually happened. Brian won. Daniel Bryan won the match. Corbin got taken out by Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, Bray congratulated Brian and asked if he's willing to do whatever it takes. Blah blah blah. And the show ended. So, yeah, right. Daniel Bryan. So good stuff. I've loved the Daniel Bryan stuff. The character, him re him embracing the yes movement again and stuff's been cool. So. But yeah. the last thing that we have to mention about SmackDown was the saga of Otis, who this week gave Mandy Rose a fruit cake. He told her it was ah. healthy because it had. He told her it was healthy because it had fruit in it, <laughs> and so he gave her that, and she was very sweet and thankful for it. And then he was at, he was motioning as if maybe he was he was going to say something else to her, and then she had to leave for her match, and he was disappointed as she walked away. Later in the show, douchebag Dolph Ziggler like talking to Mandy and, you know, making fun of Otis or whatever. And he drops the cake on the ground and stomped on it with his foot. Oh, what walked a away. dick. But the worst part was that later in the night, Otis finds the cake on the ground and he's heartbroken because he thinks Mandy did it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I kind of hate these storylines where we saw something that they don't get to see or know about. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fucking hate those, but I do like the the thing they're trying to get across here. Right. I, listen, I think these don't always go well, and sometimes they're not well done. This one has been actually like funny and somehow sweet at the same time, yeah. and I think it will actually do a lot of good for Otis. You know. Okay. However, however it turns or, out, or or John Cena is going to show back up and make out with her and push him in a wheelchair off no. of stage or whatever. Listen, you still remember that to this day. So it, it's pretty much like 50% of why Zack Ryder is famous at all that and you know, collecting wrestling toys. So. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So there you go. That's the nutshell. 
the holidays are over and hopefully everybody gets their act together and stops, you know, being in cruise control, which I'd imagine will be the case. Well, I mean, we've got just around the corner here, like the biggest show in the world for one company in New Japan with their Wrestle Kingdom. So I'm sure yes. it's going to feel like we're kicking into gear at least for a second. And then we'll hit February yep. and everyone will be like, uh, yeah, wrestling's the only thing that the first quarter of the year is like the most important part of the year. And then, and then you just spend the other eight months waiting for the beginning of the next year. So, yep. Dreading how they're going to ruin the other big four. And then when you get back to the big one again, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's current wrestling. Okay. You've got to be one of the favorites to win this gigantic battle royal. And oh, what a thrill that would be. That's right, Gene. You know, that's right, Gene. You know, that's right, Jimmy. Listen, Gene. Mean Gene, do you know how long of a boat ride it is from U.S. to here? You know, Mean Gene, when they say World Wrestling Federation, they mean the entire world. And that is my jurisdiction. Whether it be here in London or in the States, the law will be there. America, fuck yeah. Jimmy, listen, Gene, when has there been a more tragic event happening in Europe than the Nasty Boys coming to town? Never. Oh, there's been a plague here and there. Some cat named Adolf raised a little hell around here, but never nothing like the Nasties coming to town. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday... That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week, but if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every Sunday night. Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.